So we are doing the first episode here of Colin. This is something I've always wanted to do, a podcast. We've talked about this for many, many years. We've talked about this for of, a long time. Yeah, doing some kind of show. And here we are. And one of the things I like about Colin is that we can take calls. Um, but I, uh, I hope people can figure that out. Because I want this to be uh, a conversation that we have, and then we'll uh, we'll take calls at some point, and we'll mix those in, and you know, take questions. Uh, presumably, some will be for me. Maybe some will be for you, depending on what we talk about. But, um, anyways, I'm excited about it. Um, this is something different. I'm not really, I'm not really from the world of podcasting, and. Uh, I'm going to be learning a lot as we go through this, but I think it will be fun. I wanted to have long-form conversations. I think people maybe have a a perception of what I want to do with this, which is not quite right. I want to have long, interesting conversations with people, and these conversations won't necessarily be political. And for me, and I told you guys this a while ago, the first guests I wanted to have on were my best friends from high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think uh, a lot of the reason I am the way I am and, and what made me into who I am in terms of how I work, how I think, uh, was due to relationships I had when I was younger. And and you guys were a big part of that. So thanks for doing this with me. Oh, it's thanks for having me. It's uh <clears throat> It's exciting. Like you said, I mean, I think this was something that we talked about when we were probably 17, 18 years old about the idea of having a, I, frankly, I can't say podcast. Because yeah, it wasn't, it, po- podcast. <laughs> it wasn't a podcast. I mean, I have to say it was probably more listening to Howard Stern and, listen, and saying like, you know what, I think we could do something that would be interesting and people would want to listen to. Um, podcasting was not, um, around at that point, um, which I should say, and I, and I don't know where you want to go with this or what you want to do, but I, I do think it's kind of a, a interesting and, and I don't know how to describe it, but going back to 2010 to, and we'll go back further, but 2010, you're, you're the first campaign. Um, where obviously, you know, no one gave you a chance. And, and it was you, your brothers, myself, and, and a few others, basically just a bunch of kids that said, hey, um, we have a different path and we want to bring something new. But I will never forget all when we first like formed and all of the consultants said to you, Justin, social media, you're an idiot. This will never work. You cannot use Facebook to talk to people. You cannot use, you know, Twitter. What is this? Like, you are crazy to think. And then to see where we sit today and um, not not to uh, blow smoke at you, but it, it, it is pretty, um, it's funny to see where we sit today and where we were, what was that, 12 years ago um, with yeah. this thought that, you know, we're going to take your message directly to the people 
and and remove the filter of the media and how that was just completely rejected by people. Mm -hmm. Um, No one wanted to hear it, uh, whether it was for personal um, financial gain or what. But, um, you know, credit to you, especially at that time to be like, no, I want to speak directly to the people because I've done that. Um, And then to see where that that took you was pretty cool. Thanks. And for for people listening, the speech bubbles, I'm not sure they're working for everyone. Um, I'm getting a little bit of glitchiness, but that was Chad speaking. And um, and I'll I'll probably at least mention a few times who's speaking just so uh, people who are listening can know. Um, but at least they're not working on my end. But, yeah, I remember when. When I announced for Congress. I did it uh, via Facebook and I had a reporter call me up and say he was he was really mad that I announced via Facebook. He was mad at me. He, was, he told me it was highly irregular to announce a run for office via Facebook. And, um, you know, how dare I go around the media and do it directly? <clears throat> I, I just remember that. Boy, boy those were different times um, because nowadays I don't think anyone would think, hey, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to call up a reporter and tell them I'm running for our office. So you'd, you'd go straight to social media and say it. So. So, yeah. But, but Justin, yeah. you're. you're and this is Jordan speaking. Your political career, and to be honest, even bigger than that, could always be defined as irregular. Uh, (laughs) You know, you you know, you served in Congress differently than anyone had ever done before. You know, you ran in the state house, and where the where the explaining of the votes actually started, that was highly irregular too. Uh, But as somebody who's known you for, I mean, I hate to say the math out loud, but you know, almost 40 years as we're, as we're getting older now. Jeez, man. Well, I'm not that, hold on, we're not that old. I didn't know you when I was like one or two or whatever. <laughs> well, <laughs> kindergarten, kindergarten, we weren't that, too, we weren't that old in kindergarten, but you, you know, you've never, you've almost. never looked at conformity and said, yeah, that's the way I'm going to, that's the way I'm going to do it. Um, and you've been proven right more often than you've been proven wrong on looking at something differently. Uh, and at first it takes some time for people to go, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. Wait a minute. That might make some sense. Wait a minute. Okay. That's the way we should do it. You know, uh, Brady, Brady, uh, retires this week and he, and he announces it on Instagram. I mean, that's, it's, we have a different mode of communication, whether it's political or entertainment or sports or whatever. We just have platforms that we never had 15, 20 years ago, not on the scale that, that they are. And you were on the cutting edge of that, uh, which yeah, is something, I, to be, something to be proud of. Well, and this this is, Nathan, this goes back also, even in uh, high school. Also known as Bo, also known as Bo. Yeah, here on out referred to as Bo more than likely. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, this goes back, I mean, high school, you were the first one among us to have a cell phone. Mm-hmm. And That's just if he had cut, money. You were on the cut, you, but you were on the leading edge of that. And I mean, some of us had like a Mountain Dew pager, but you had the. Yeah, cell I, phone. I, I skipped the pager. I got to admit, <laughs> I, I didn't have the pager uh, time of my life. That is life, true. He but... rolled in that Mazda six with his cell phone. It was like, and it might have been the Zach. Mor- that might have been the Zach Morris phone. I can't remember. Did you carry a bag or was it? No, actual, I didn't have. Uh, I never had a bag. Um, no, I don't think I, I missed that era, fortunately, where you had the, you know, the huge bag or 
you attach the antenna to the roof of your car. Um, those were different times. You know, I, on the the explanations, the vote explanations thing, which I started doing in the state house, that actually started because I was just kind of bored on the house floor there. We had like long periods of time where we weren't doing much. And I was like, well, we're just going to sit around here. Maybe I'll just explain what we're doing to people at home. And that's how that came about. It was just, um, it was just a, like a way to kill some time. And so, so, so from that though, was, was it, um, what, what got you to continue? Were, were there initial responses like, wow, this is, this is something good. Or did it just continue out of continuous boredom? Like, the state yeah. house is no, slow. No, 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 no. It wasn't just – there were a few slow days there, and I I started doing it. Um, it wasn't like that all the time. But uh, what made me continue was the reception. People loved it. And social media was a bit different back then. Like, you, you got a lot more positive feedback than you got negative. Now it's like it's mostly negative feedback no matter what you do in life, no matter who you are. Um, but – it was a lot of positive feedback back then, and people loved it. They said, hey, give us more of this. We want to know what you're doing. So I was like, okay, I'll just give you the details of every vote. And I figured I'm sitting here on the House floor in the State House. I've got a computer right in front of me. Might as well type out what I'm doing. So that's how that started, although admittedly the vote explanations back then were a lot simpler because um, even on Facebook back in those days, you had some character limits. And so you were just, um, you know, typing whatever you could fit, and it was it was pretty abbreviated. But but those were um, those were fun times, different times, and uh, and high school, of course, was for me the best time. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe going, maybe in, in my life. Going back to to that, and I, and I'm one of the things, and I will never forget. I mean, and I guess. It was probably, I think it was freshman year. And I can't remember, it was after one class, and I can't remember what class it was. And we were walking the hall, and in typical non-arrogant Justin ways, was something of, I am going to be famous someday. (laughs) I don't know what it will be, but I will be well known. Um, when you were, I think, 15 at the time, um, did you have any idea that that politics would be your avenue of fame? Or I mean, you were you were you 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 did debate. You were you were well known. Um, we can get into how you became well known in, in high school <laughs> and what avenues you took to become popular, um, but. Like at that time, did you? You're making it sound like nefarious. <laughs> What's well, not nefarious? I mean, is that the word for it? I mean, bribery with with invitations to steak dinners and Mario Kart may have been a part of it, but Mario but in that conversation, I remember we were walking in the hall, and 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 you said that, and you know, to be honest, and. I didn't doubt it, but at that time too, I was like, I have no idea. But I like, I knew you were, you were driven enough to be successful. I just didn't know at that moment what it would be. Did you have any idea that it would be politics or at what point? And I know 
and we can get into this too. I know kind of your moment where you realized politics was the way, but at that time, at 15, when you're like, I will be well-known, I will be famous, um, people will know me. Um, did you know, did you have a sense why or, or what no. would be the driving thing? No, I didn't. And, and mm -hmm. I didn't know I would get into politics. Um, I've always had sorts of visions where I, I guess I see things. Um, I don't know. It was one of the visions I had. I, I just have them. I had them growing up a lot and a lot of stuff I saw just came true. I, I, I don't know why. And I am, as you guys know, I'm actually quite introverted. I'm not really that interested in being in public life in the sense that I, I'm most comfortable actually just hanging out by myself, watching TV or, or doing something, you know, um, in a solo way. I'm, I'm just not that uh, not interested in, in public stuff. So the idea of, oh, maybe someday you'll be well known, that actually was not a thing I desired. It was a thing that um, actually troubled me in many respects. Mm -hmm. um, because I, I was never seeking that kind of thing. And I didn't really think about the politics stuff much until after, uh, probably after law school, actually. Like, it, it was, I was pretty, like, well, I was at least well into law school before I even thought about any of that. I, when I was, like, a little kid, obviously, I, I clearly, based on some of my drawings, I have some, um, some artwork where I drew myself like as the president and that kind of things as, as a kid, like when I was like, when I was like a little kid. So obviously I had some uh, inclination, um, but I think a lot of that was just based on the fact that my parents are immigrants and from a young age, they really instilled in me how great this country is. Mm -hmm. And for me, one of the ways I thought like I would be giving back to the country that gave so much to my family, uh, my dad came here as a refugee, as you guys know. One of the ways I thought I might give back, I guess, from even when I was a kid, I was like, oh, maybe I'll get involved in politics and try to, you know, uphold the values and principles that this country's built on. Um, but but actually, as I got older, I became more of an introverted person um, and was not really thinking much about politics. So it wasn't really until <clears throat> until after um, after I was well into law school. And even then, I was like, it's not something I really was comfortable doing. You know, I'm I'm not naturally a public speaker. That that was something I had to that was something I had to learn and develop. I mean, well, and that's we, despite, that's despite the that. fact that I did forensics and debate and other things. You know, I I was I'm not naturally a public speaker. That's not my thing. Well, as as somebody who got the opportunity to speak for you for for almost six years, often I, I was always struck by the by the public's misconception of who they thought Justin Amash was and who I knew Justin Amash to be. Because uh, when you're elected into Congress at 30, and let's be honest, ruffle some feathers right off the bat. 
you, you get you get to be well known, even if it's not through you know a desire to be famous. But uh, you know, I would often say people know Justin because they see him on Facebook and he's being transparent and he's you know explaining votes, so people feel as though they have access to him, which was a great thing. But you know, I know the guy that when you drop him in a room full of a hundred strangers, that's not the most comfortable place that he that he can be. <laughs> Whereas the prototypical, stereotypical politician, they want to go work the room, but that was that was never what it was about for you. It was about it was about the legislation and the process and improving the country. But because people knew you, they thought that they knew you, and because you were able to communicate with them directly on social media, they they felt like they had this connection. But so often, I think the the actual interpretation of of who you were and what your personality was like was just skewed. Because oh he must be in the pub- he's in the public eye he must love that even though, even though I knew that that was not I, the case. I I think that was probably you know you being on the inside working for him when he was elected and me um, working to help him get elected mm-hmm. was the most frustrating thing mm-hmm. was getting him to getting be him comfortable to go out and speak and and yeah I mean and and it's funny too as as you've grown and you were in Congress for as long as you were to to follow Twitter and follow social uh facebook et cetera and and see the comments as if um you know a hundred and forty whatever <laughs> character tweet totally covers who you are as a person Mm -hmm. and and people think they have the authority to speak on, on who you are and what you um, believe based on that was always interesting. And it, and even you and other people that I know that are, that are um, public figures that, that are in that same, that same boat that, you know, personally, and it's, it's always interesting to, to see the, I guess, misconception uh, of who an individual is based solely on the few characters that they're allowed to, mm-hmm. to tweet out. Yeah. And, and some of that is people intentionally, of course, just making themselves upset about things. I, I like to point out that not everything I think is contained in each tweet. You know, like people, people think that when you tweet something out, well, why didn't you say anything about this? Why didn't you say anything about that? Like, I, I say a lot of things, and not every tweet is going to contain everything that I think in the world. Um, so, you know, that's, that's a frustration when you're, when you're out there in public life. Um, but that, well, that's one of the reason I, reasons I wanted to do this, where we'd have long form and people could mm-hmm. ask questions or I'll have engaging conversations with people. You know, the, the thing about public speaking and working a room and all that, you know, shaking hands with a crowd. Eventually I, I was comfortable with that stuff, you know, mm-hmm. um, by the time I left Congress, I was very comfortable with it. You know, if, if a room had, if a room had fewer than a thousand people, I wasn't even really that worried about preparing for, you know, what am I going to say? Yeah. And while, while you've never been socially gregarious, you have always had something to say. <laughs> and that's why, like, in certain circles, you know, the four of us or whoever, we would go out and sit down in a booth and talk for hours. And you were yeah. never, never lacking for anything to contribute to the dialogue at the time. But yeah, we go to, or we go to TGI Fridays. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Where else can you get piece. 99 cent breadsticks? I mean, the Oreo Madness. <laughs> but but the, being, the TGI Friday's closed around here. Being being able to do it and even being comfortable in it is is different than being motivated by it. And, and it always struck me that you could you could speak in, even in a hostile town hall and be perfectly comfortable with with the subject matter and the group and run the room and that was that was totally fine. There were other people, and it's not just politicians. That the whole point of what they were doing was to get in the room in front of people. Now it was a it was something that you became skilled at and and were comfortable in, but that wasn't the motivating factor of of why you were doing the thing. Um, the notoriety or infamy or popularity or famousness or whatever you want to call it was a byproduct, not a not a motivation. You guys want to take a caller? I have one more. I have one more. Yeah, uh, go ahead. Just one, one more thing that I'm just curious on, and I mean, I say I'm curious on it. We we've discussed it, but I just think it's interesting. Um, how how quickly into being elected into Congress did you? Not to say Congress is a sham. But how quickly did you realize? No, no, no. I'm not saying it's a sham. But how quickly did you realize it was a lot of theater, and and that what the public sees Mm -hmm. uh, in the media is in many ways completely different than what is actually happening when the cameras are are not on. Was that like day one? Was that six months in? You're like wait, this is, this is interesting. Like, can you you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. Almost immediate. I mean, I got there and I realized these people don't really care that much about what we're doing. Like they don't actually know anything about the legislation. Um, They don't really understand the process. I remember just really early on asking someone about some process issue. I mean, it was like in the very early days of being there. I don't know if it was in the first week or what. I said, what what does this um, procedural maneuver mean? And the person who was a veteran member of Congress said, I don't know. It's like, what do you mean? We're voting on it. How could you not know what it does? Just like, you know, it's my it's like my first time voting on this thing and you don't know what it does. You've been here for 20 years or whatever. Um, the, the thing is, they're not really that interested in it. And they've become even less interested over the years uh, to the point where they're almost completely detached from the process. I mean, we could talk about this aspect for a long time and and I'm sure we will at some point, but it's gotten to the point where they're not even included in the process. So they've lost all motivation before they might've at least been included somewhat where you could offer some amendments and you can actually, you know, work your colleagues on some things. It doesn't really work like that anymore for the past several years. And this is true under both Republicans and Democrats. Do you remember it's, the handwritten? Do you remember the handwritten amendment? Yeah. I <laughs> mean, but sadly, <laughs> we, there was, they used their handwrite amendments. And, you know, like it was ridiculous, right? That you're handwriting an amendment and you're just getting it for the first time right there on the House floor. But that looks like the good old days now because now there are no amendments. You're not doing any amendments on the House floor. You wish they'd even handwrite a couple yeah. um, just so you have something to vote on. And and so 
it's it's like a different world and it didn't take me long to figure out that this was mostly theater and to this day the one of the most frustrating things is that the media who constantly complain about the way our government works they complain about congress they complain about the presidency and they they do this in you know whether it's republicans in there or democrats and, and one network or newspaper will do it more for one side or the other depending on who's in there that through all of this you do not see people in the media talking about the broken system like the the actual structure of congress how it functions is not talked about instead they talk about like surface level substantive aspects of the legislation and it's not even it's not even the true meat of the legislation it'll be some kind of surface level description of what the bill does that is easy for one side or the other to latch onto but the actual bill does very different things they don't talk about what the actual bill does but but more significantly they don't talk about the process at all so if you put someone in charge of the process they're going to decide the outcome if you give it someone total control of the process, they're going to decide the outcome. And right now, there are only a few people in control of the process. And you you legitimately have what is akin to an oligarchy in our government, where a few people run the entire government. And the media, who claim to be the people who are supposed to be keeping an eye on this, watching out for us, they are just letting it happen every single day. They have their own incentives to let it happen. And it drives me crazy. And it's not a partisan issue. This, this is true uh, for Republicans and Democrats and everyone. Mm -hmm. it just the media just let it happen. And it, it's very frustrating. I'm going to I'm going to take a caller and, and let's um, see what people have to say. The, the first caller. <clears throat> so, Ryan, I think you're in. You have to unmute your mic. We lost Ryan, I think. Ryan yeah, had the chance. Tim's in the queue. <laughs> you, had your, you had your chance, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. long, long time, first time. All right. Uh, oh. Yeah. First time listener, uh, very <laughs> short time caller. All right. Here we, here we go. Hey, gentlemen. This is Aaron from uh, your Michigan's third district. So oh, I, hey, I miss you as a congressman. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate it. Um, you know, every year I'd shake your hand at Rockford's parade and always appreciated the fact that you'd come around. And um, um, I see Nick Gillespie's on, too. So, hey, it's good to see you, Nick, on there. Um, we have the uh, I was just looking at it. we have the likes of uh, like Spike Cohen, comic Dave Smith. I mean, a few others that are you know looking at what what could the future of the Libertarian Party be from a presidential perspective. And I, I know this is probably not a good time to ask, but I mean, is this something that you would consider doing? I feel like we really need someone like you who's got some experience and there's no one else out there. Like there's literally the only libertarian ever to be in, a, in national office, as far as I know. Well, Aaron, I, I mean, don't don't pull any punches. Like, really ask them the tough questions. <laughs> <laughs> I, I appreciate that, Aaron. Uh, you know, I I don't know what the future holds. I mean, I don't know 
whether I'll be running again in the near term or in the long term. I, I do think that um, I do think that we need something. We need someone and um, some party or some kind of movement to serve as, a, as an alternative to what's going on right now in Washington. I mean, it's. I, well, yeah. It's, and you point that out every every week on, on your Twitter saying, you know, how much it's broken and like people, there's no amendments. I mean, you've put stuff out there saying like there's zero amendments allowed in the past, what, four years or something. I mean, yeah, more I, than that. It's so since, clear. Right. Since May, 2016, there has not been a single time that the speaker of the house has allowed an open amendment process. So um, this is, this was true under Paul Ryan. He's the one who started this and it's continued under Nancy Pelosi. And we haven't had, a um, an open amendment process where someone can go onto the House floor and offer an amendment since May of 2016. So they can still offer amendments to the Rules Committee, but if you offer it to the Rules Committee, that's the Speaker's Committee, and the Speaker will decide um, to disallow your amendment if your amendment actually does anything substantive and has a chance of passing. So wow. basically, the the system is is rigged in that sense. Like you can't actually participate in the legislative process. And when you have none of these uh, members of Congress able to participate in the actual process, it's not surprising that theatrics become a bigger part of their lives. I mean, what else are they going to do other than play to the crowd at home, go on TV or go on social media and say all sorts of crazy stuff, one crazier than the next to get attention (laughs) because they've got, they, they can't actually work on legislation. So right. this is really frustrating. But look, I I want to stay involved in politics. I mean, part of doing this podcast is creating an opportunity for more of these long form conversations. And I don't intend to speak uh, exclusively about politics in in uh, these podcasts. I want to talk about life. But I also think that there's a chance in these regular discussions about life to bring up and discuss things that touch on politics and touch on libertarianism and touch on the things I believe and the things on, that other people believe. So uh, I want to show that people have common ground, that um, we as Americans, we've got a, a common heritage in what I call classical liberalism. And um, and I think that, you know, it's it's not a stretch for a lot of people to get together right now and say, Enough with the two major parties, the two old parties. We're going to start something new, and it's going to be a very, you know, American party, one that's really based on American foundations. And that's that's liberalism in the classical sense, the idea right. of tolerating others, speaking to others, having open discussions, debating ideas, having having an actual legislative process, the rule of law protecting people's rights, decentralization. There are a lot of things that are a part of that. And and I think that um, there's no better time in history, actually, for this to be revived because we have a large, diverse country. And more than ever, we need the principles of classical liberalism or libertarianism. So thanks, Aaron. And, I'm going to... Yeah, and with ahead. that... Thank you. Oh, you yeah, oh, enjoy your... Gonna, thanks. You, thanks. You, you're going to announce your campaign for... <laughs> for Congress in Alaska now, is it yeah. mine? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, Bo, you yeah, running I'm for gonna, Congress? I'm going to step up and uh, take Don Young down. <laughs> <laughs> he needs he needs to retire and uh, just go relax in Fort Yukon. He's the longest serving member right now, I believe. Right? Yeah, I believe so. It's yeah been a long time. I don't know exactly how many years, but he's yeah been pretty comfortable in that position for a long time. Yeah, he's a he's an interesting character. Um, he, he has a. Has some not very libertarian views and some some pretty libertarian yeah. views. So let's. Um, I see. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, not to not to speak for you or you know in response to that, but you've never been, or you've always been somebody who is willing and comfortable dreaming really big, hmm. mm-hmm. and you yeah, know things definitely. that I think others of us would you know would look at and say no that's that's bigger than i want to tackle that that doesn't phase you i mean whether you know basketball congress whatever like (laughs) you're you're not afraid to just go out there go out there and give it a go you 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 had to throw we'll have a conversation but you know i'm gonna bring i'm gonna bring our friend um, if he's there tim tim brunsman looks like he's on here so Let's see if we can bring Speaking him in. Speaking of basketball. Uh, come on, Timmy. <laughs> Let's see if we can get him on here. Would, would, that, be, would that be national championship winning? All right. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys. First time. Hey. Short time. Hey. <laughs> Timmy, how's it going? Good, Justin. How you doing? Hey, guys. It's been a hey, while, Tim. Actually, not, not that long for me and Bo, though. I saw saw Bo over Christmas, so that was uh, yeah. twice. Yeah, twice. well, you know, you know what, Tim? Actually, um, Justin and I have a bone to pick with you because uh, <laughs> I was in town. Sorry, Bo, I'm throwing you under the bus, but um, yeah, we heard I'm... we heard you were invited to come uh, meet up with us, and you declined. So I, I don't know. I had to, I had to decline. I had to get back to my kids. No, um, so no. You know, in his That's defense, pretty... and maybe we should clarify this for people who are listening, but. So I live in Alaska and I've lived in Alaska for almost 20 years. And so my opportunities to see and hang out with all of you guys, Chad, Jordan, Justin, Tim, are few and far between. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just back over the holidays. Um, in Tim's defense, that night that we got together, Chad and Justin, it was a blizzard. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah I, I know. And I, I don't I, blame I Tim for not wanting for to drive across town. <laughs> <laughs> me, me living in the land of freedom, also known as Florida, I, I, I roughed that blizzard and drove 40 minutes just to make that meal. And, you know, it's so, fine. So it's I fine. It was like a three-mile drive. How did it take you 40 minutes? <laughs> oh, that's, oh, that is right. It did take you a little bit. I was in Holland. Yeah, he was he, he's not, not in the Netherlands, for those who aren't, you know, aren't familiar with, there's a city called Holland, not far from Grand Rapids. So, anyway, Timmy, how so, well, I'm doing, hey guys, I'm doing great, and uh, I really uh, enjoyed listening so far. I think this is, uh, this is awesome. Um, it's a cool way to get to, to know Justin more, and more of his background, and I, you know, it's been pretty serious so far. So I was wondering if we can even get a little more serious. Um, I want to talk Mario about. Kart? I want to talk about <laughs> video games. <laughs> my, main, my main reason for calling in is about video games, and and really just um, Justin, I, I I want you to talk talk about you know the role 
that video games played in your mm-hmm. life growing up. Um, and then on a side note um, for the listeners, um, I just want to say that that um, Justin is by far um, the best video game player um, that I've ever played against. And I, and I like to think that I was pretty good. Uh, in, fact, I, in, fa- in fact, about a half hour before the show came on, I was playing Fortnite with my kids. Um, which is, which is a whole nother thing because if that was around when we were kids, um, I don't know. Justin would have dominated that. Yeah, he would. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's just, those are memories that I had from, from high school. It's just all the, the countless, um, evenings that we spent, um, playing video games and just hanging out together. Did you also yeah, no. have basketball tryouts as a memory? We'll talk about that. We'll talk about okay. that a little bit. But, so, Justin, no, have you, video... Justin, have you played Fortnite? Do you play Fortnite? You know, I don't play Fortnite. My my son plays Fortnite, um, you know, or has played Fortnite. I don't know if he's playing it right now. But, um, you know, I find new video games very difficult. Like, Kids have a real knack for them, and I if I show my kids the games we played when we were young, it's like they have a hard time with those games. They can't believe how difficult it is to play, you know, an, the original Super Mario Brothers. But I play some of the games today, and just it's like I don't know the 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 motion of like the characters just doesn't feel right. So I don't know I, they. That was the oldest man boomer thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. I don't know, I'm, but, like, you know, we're not kids anymore. So there's just something different about the way they play com- compared to compared to how we played. Like, I was fantastic at GoldenEye. But you you if, were. You were quite but good. If my, but, if my, but if my kids played GoldenEye, I don't know. I don't know how they'd do. And I hear they're bringing it back out, by the way. And Mario I did hear Kart, that, too. Like, if you oh, play the they? old... Yeah, I heard they're bringing back GoldenEye. Um, and the old Mario Karts, if I play that, I can beat my kids, though. But if we play the new stuff, they can beat me. So it's just a matter of adapting. But, look, they were, they were a big part of all of our lives. We lived at a different time. I mean, there are probably some people who are pretty young on this um, call who are listening in. And probably some older people, too. But... But we lived at a time before people had all the communication. Um, we couldn't, like, play online, really, with each other. We couldn't um, do any video chatting or, you know, there's no FaceTime back then. If if you wanted to talk to someone, you called the landline and you had to share you that phone. You talked to their parents first. Yeah, you had to share the phone with the whole family, right? So you'd call and you'd say, like, hey, is uh, Bo there or whatever it might be. No, we you know, we page Bo on his Mountain Dew pager. <laughs> yeah, or, or page, that's right, page him on his Mountain Dew pager. And then I borrowed Justin's cell phone because of <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it was like a different time. So getting together for video games, it was like something really magical back then. And even playing the video game back then was different compared to today, in my opinion. I mean, today the video games are way more expansive, but somehow... Back then, because of the way we were so um, disconnected from each other, we were, we didn't have the same, you know, there was no internet, there was no social media. The way we were disconnected, we couldn't play video, video games online. When you went into a video game back then, you were really going into a different world. 
and somehow your imagination would make it even bigger than it really was. And I think it just had a different feel back then than it does today. But but don't you think it also just helped social skills? Like you had to go to Brunsma's basement to play Madden. Yeah, play, sure. Friday and plays, yes, and we did. Play, and play Zelda and and play, you know, GoldenEye. And you actually had to interact in the same room with people. And, you know, now I look at like our kids playing VR and they're like, well, I'm playing with my buddies because we're logged into the same world. And I'm like, but you're walking around like a crazy person in the living room by yourself. That's that's actually not learning how to interact with people and have inside jokes and, you know, prank each other and like do all the social skills that that you you need growing up uh, in, in a world of connectivity. It feels like kids now are more disconnected than ever because they don't actually have to face people. It's, you know, yeah, we're connected right. via the game, but, but we're not actually. That just makes you sound world. old, Jordan. I am yeah. old, yeah. But, they but, connect I mean, differently. There is, there is true. They do absolutely do connect differently. But the the face-to-face interaction, you know, and I see it too. It, it, it is it's different. I can't say it's it's worse or better. It, it's, it's just different. Um, so, you know. I think, I think sometimes uh, the, the detachment can be a little bit unhealthy. The, the way kids tend to be more detached from each other compared to – when we were young, which is weird because they're so connected now, but because of that, there's in a, they're in a sense more isolated. Um, they're they're not. Uh, we're, we all sound like like old men now, like just yeah, this sucks. Can we like <laughs> well, change to something? But I but I do think as, that as the one who's isolated, I mean, you're though, you're out in Alaska though, so like it's a different world there. Right. We can't, yeah. No, so for me, there's actually a lot of value in that stuff. I mean, Justin, you and I haven't lived in the same town for almost twenty years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, but through, I mean, I'm, I'm not on Twitter, but I consistently just check in on Twitter to see what you're saying, what you're up to, whatever. And then, you know, occasionally we'll text you and give you grief about something or, (laughs) you know, comment about something (laughs) that you've got going on there. Um, But then it's made it where like, when we do get together, and it can easily be, you know, five years or more in between hanging out in person, like that connection is still there and very solid. And I mean, it, it picks up almost immediately where we left off in, you know, 2000, 2002. Mm -hmm. No, that's absolutely right. It helps start like playing Fortnite online together or something. And really, maybe if they put, you know, if they put um, multiplayer online and for GoldenEye, we got to do that. Yes, well, that, I'm in. That's so a, I'm in. That's a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, which will, if it's online, that that really changes things a lot too. Because yeah, you know, I know. If, if you yeah. if you remember, like when when we'd be playing in my basement, um, Justin Justin, it, it speaks to his character was the most honest person in the world. And for people that you know haven't played Goldeneye, you're all on the same TV, and and what you could end up doing if you memorize the maps. You could look on other people's <laughs> screens and figure out where they were, and and then just basically just hunt people down. And as soon as they would respawn, they'd be dead again because you, when you're watching their screen, you know where they are. And and Justin would get so angry about it. Uh, in, fact, in fact, in fact, I can remember there was there was uh, there was one of our classmates was over that we normally didn't hang out with, and he was playing with us. And he kept doing it, and Justin was just throwing stuff so mad because he just, the injustice. He just, he just couldn't handle it. 
Um, in fact, I, I remember you disparaging him later on, <laughs> day, and, you would, and you would you would call us uh, by his name, saying that we're screen watching all the time. If we were screen watching, so, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, I do remember that actually. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm not going to say well, who it was, but maybe I'll tell you later. But yeah, and it was different when you threw those corded controllers. <laughs> like a cord, I a never, I never threw a controller at anyone. <laughs> Not at anyone. Yeah. Man. I don't I don't like when people do that stuff. I don't know. <laughs> people should play no, fair. You're principled. I mean, this goes back to the core <laughs> of so much of about why oh, yeah. you are where you're at and why we're all sitting here. It's because you are so damn principled. <laughs> you guys are principled too. Well, there you know, it, it, it does echo uh, you know, Justin does not tolerate things to be done incorrectly that can be done correctly. And so here's, here's a story from, from Congress. We were, we were doing a, a, a district work week and we were here back in the third district and we're, you know, doing the 10 stops that we had. And Justin, I don't know if you know where this is going, but we stopped for lunch at Arby's and it was always fun to, <laughs> to have five. lunch. <laughs> it was always fun to have lunch. at Arby's or something because people would like look and then they'd look again. They'd be like, I think that's they're like, where do you think we're having lunch? It's it's not all, you know, smoke room and steakhouses. But anyway, the sign at, at Arby's, they had the word pecan for a pecan chicken salad spelled wrong on, on the on the sign outside. They had an A in it and it's like peacock. Yes, exactly. And Justin's looking at it and he's looking at it and he's looking at it. And he's like, fine. Justin gets up and I start taking pictures of him walking out to the guy <laughs> who's hanging the, the sign up. And I got this great picture of them both looking up at the sign and Justin pointing. And then he pulls his phone out and he shows them that Pecan doesn't have an A in it. And the guy goes back up and he takes the A off and he fixes it. And I thought it was such a microcosm of Justin's existence where if it, if it can be done right, it should be done correctly. And don't cut the corner, don't, don't cheat the system. Just do it right, even if it's spelling, you know, pecan chicken on, on an Arby's sign correctly. Yeah, I don't well, remember that. It, there was some spelling like, error, but I don't remember what it was. You, Go ahead, yeah, that, that little bit of compulsivity that you have was always incredibly entertaining to me to just mess with. And to just, <laughs> you know, tweak something, you know, so your phone was not parallel to the edge of the table or something. <laughs> oh, he'd get so mad. Back and just sit back and watch and see how long you could deal with it. And then... It, it, <laughs> you got the picture, Jordan. There, it's it, great. there it is. <laughs> I got... Yeah. I got the, I wish, you got, I wish you have the receipts. You have, I I wish people can't see a, it at home, but they were spelling it P-E-A-C-A-N. I, w- I wish there was video. Uh, on this thing that I could send that, that guy. <laughs> we got it fixed, one. though. It's a before and, and after. I, it's beautiful. Yeah. You know, to your, your that point, I mean, go back to the first state house run that pretty much you and I, if I remember, would sit in your kitchen at like 11 o'clock at night and then at like 1 in the morning start drafting mailers because people just didn't understand your message and they couldn't get it. And we tried and we would say, this is what we want. And the, the quality would come back um, just poor. 
like they couldn't understand exactly how to convey a message. And I think, you know, that, that speaks to your, um, you know, your ability to, to understand, I don't want to say perfectionist, but if it can be done right, it should be done right. And I have a bit so of perfectionism. Many, you do. Of course you do. I mean, we can, I'm trying to be nice here. I mean, we're not going to turn this into a roast of you. But um, but no, it, it's, again, do it right the first time. And if you can't, then fine. We'll we'll take it on yourselves. But I, I don't think that should be lost. I mean, you you created some pretty remarkable direct mail pieces in those early days, which, I mean... You know, when you can incorporate the bee's knees into a, a male piece, um, that, that's saying something. And having yeah, it think, resonate. And having, it I resonate, think and having people, people, like, come up to me and be like, that male piece was so fantastic. And they're like, well, thanks. thanks. We did it the, ourselves. The, the mistake people make in politics is they are hiring consultants. They're just hiring. Yeah, they're hiring consultants to do everything. Um. They're just chipping it off to the consultants and saying, hey, I want to run for Congress or run for a state house or whatever it might be. Can you design this stuff for me? And it's all just generic cookie cutter stuff. And that stuff doesn't resonate with people. Um, you, you have to be yourself. You have to put yourself out there when you're running a campaign. And so when I first ran for office, a lot of people don't know, I designed the mail pieces uh, right on my own computer. Um, I wrote the messages. I, I stayed up late working on that stuff. Um, I, I didn't give it to consultants to work on. I would take it to the printer and say, here's what I designed on my computer. Here's the file from my computer. So it was just, um, it was a different way of campaigning. And the beauty of it was I could see that it was working because we were going door to door a lot in the early days, especially for state house. The yeah. first campaign I did. And I remember the first several weeks of the campaign, I'd be going door to door and people I'd say like, Hey, I'm Justin Amash. I'm running for state house. They'd be like, they'd be like, who are you? You know, what are you doing here? Uh, get off my property or whatever, you know, like slam the door in my face. And, um, then as the weeks went on, I started to send these mail pieces out. I'd go to houses and, People would open the door and say, oh, you're Justin Amash. Yeah, I've been getting your mail. Like, um, you know, I'm looking forward to voting for you. Or I'd go to some houses and the mail pieces would be in the window. Like, literally, they'd have my mail pieces displayed in the window. I was like, well, boy, this is like something. If these people are putting my mail pieces in the window, it's really resonating. So I, I knew in that campaign we were out working and out thinking um, our opponents and a lot of people um, who don't know the story of how I got into politics, I was not at all favored in that first race for state house. Um, I was I was definitely a huge underdog. Not a, I mean, you I were going so much up a, against the name. So you yeah, were going but, up against the wife of the son of the state senator in the district. And yeah. of course they reused the- And the son the was also signs. a state rep. The son yeah. was a state rep the, and so the mean, dad I was a state senator. I believe it was 17 plus years of, um, you know- The same in, family, in, something like that. Of the family in office. 
there was no reason that a 27, 28 year old unknown um, should have any business going. And I think that was the beauty was early on. And I just remembered like it drove Lansing nuts was <laughs> like we felt La- Lansing is our that, state capital to be clear. Yes. So, so the consultants <laughs> in Lansing, sorry for, for those, Lansing, Michigan, the capital of, uh, of Michigan, um, you know, it was driving them nuts and we felt something we felt a movement that was starting that they just refused to acknowledge. Um, and, and that was the beauty of that first race was I think, you know, you don't want to take anything for granted, but I was like coming into election night, it was like, I think we have this like, Holy cow. And no one wanted to admit it, but I think probably if they were being honest, they would acknowledge it too, that they were done. I I remember reading the articles about that particular state house race and up into the, like we had, we had our primary in August and through the summer, I wasn't even mentioned in the articles about the race. So like the, the articles would talk about the candidates in the race and they wouldn't even include me in the article because they were so sure that I had no chance. But I had been going door to door and sending these mail pieces and I knew it was working. And um, and and we won by a significant margin, too. So, like, I beat this um, uh, this person who is from this very connected family, uh, I think, by about 20 points. So it wasn't a. It wasn't just a small um, difference. It was a pretty big difference. And I did it by working hard in the district and by believing. And I think that's important. Uh, you know, one of the one of the things I would always say to my staff is and I because I had the Jordan knows this is one of the people who worked in my office. I had the best staff in Congress. And um, and that includes Jordan, who, who was my district director. <clears throat> It was an honor. And um, I would say to my staff, but especially the younger staff, um, that they have to believe in themselves. Like, it's easy in this world to think that someone else is better than you at other things. You know, like, whatever you want to achieve, it's easy to think, well, someone else is better than me at that, so I'm not going to go for it. And I think that's a big mistake a lot of people make in life. If you're a capable person, if you are, if you are a person who has, you know, integrity and is willing to work hard, you can accomplish anything. I really believe that. And a lot of success is about just trying. And a lot of people don't want to try because they're worried about failing. And I think that's a big mistake that a lot of young people make. The The mistake is often to overestimate your opponents or overestimate other people and to underestimate yourself. It's the opposite of overconfidence. The overconfidence is generally not the problem. The problem is underconfidence, that people are not confident enough in, in what, they're, what they're capable of. But I, I think but you also came... had some exceptional Microsoft Paint skills. <laughs> that, on those that, that is that is true. <laughs> but but your your belief and desire to you know Bo mentioned it earlier to to dream big, you know I'm going to give both your folks, both mom and dad, 
a lot of credit for that. I, I remember when we were working together in, in high school uh, and we had to go out of town for, for, a, for a business trip. And I remember talking to your dad about why would you put a bunch of kids up in such a nice hotel when, when we're not doing the nicest, I mean, we're not doing high professional stuff. And, and your dad, in, in your classic, in your dad's way, he says, I want to expose you to the best so you know that you can do that. Because if, if, if you only live with a roof that's, you know, a foot above your head, that's all you know. And, and I think he instilled in you and your brothers that, no, you can do literally anything, especially in this country. You can do anything if you do it. And I, that stuck with me for forever. You know, with Ots just saying, yeah, I'm going to put you in a hotel you have no business being in, but it, it exposes you to a different, a bigger life than the one that you've been able to be exposed to before. And you I think belong, that's, that's an awesome. You oh. belong. Yeah. You do. Hey, hey, come, on. Is that, come on. Is that when you guys met Shaq? Uh, <laughs> I was, was going to ask the same thing. We, we did meet Shaq at a hotel, yeah. We, we, we did he was meet super Shaq. excited about the bathing suit dryer, if I'm correct. Right? <laughs> yeah, uh, that's correct. I mean, that was that was something. Um, he was blown away. Um, gosh, when what was this? Uh, I don't know. I don't even know, but every single time I've used a bathing suit dryer, <laughs> I think of that story from you guys. Well, I think what was great is like he just he saw it and he I can't remember the name of his his assistant, but he just immediately said, get me this in the house. Uh, I need this. This is the greatest thing. And, and for those that don't know, is that, that that system in, in gym locker rooms where you can put your wet bathing suit in, you put it in the little cylinder, you push down and it like spins it at such a ridiculous speed that it, you know within 30 seconds it comes out out dry um yeah that was uh that was the shack time there, there was also the um you know the i i don't even know how to describe this other than just out of touch old people that uh, believed that we were the backstreet boys that we um, were the backstreet boys yeah that was also we did get mistaken for the Backstreet Boys, strangely enough. We did. We did. It, it, it earned us, um, I think, free dessert. We got free uh, dessert. Yeah. Escorts yeah. throughout the. This was in Chicago. I mean, it was. It was the, absolutely. Did you let them know you weren't the Backstreet Boys, or did you just not. indulge? No, we let, okay. let it go. I mean, good, good. I don't. No, we did. We did not. Stated. We never said we were. We did not say we were, but if, if I mean, I'm not. If that's what you want to believe, I guess that's your choice to believe that. Um, yeah, that was Chad. Uh, Chad, you kind of look like Brian Latrell a little bit. I'm sure. <laughs> Listen, I, I, I will not. Uh, I think that was part of it. I mean, it was. Uh, we had Brian. Um, Jordan was. How can I? I mean, the Nick, dude turned Nick into Carter. a train. Wreck. Nick Carter. Yeah, Nick yeah. Carter, and uh, Justin was. Um, yeah, who was I? How well, I was. Um, uh, I, I can't were, remember their names anymore. You, you were the roadie, Justin. <laughs> yeah, I, I, <laughs> I mean, wasn't that the early days anyway? Justin was the roadie, and now, and now, how the script has turned. <laughs> Justin, I mean, he's kind of a Nick Carter. <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we'll Wait, let people at home decide. 
<laughs> so I don't think so. I was so glad oh. that Tim was still on the line. I didn't know. So he was you guys, still on. I, we got Tim on the line. We can talk about basketball. Yeah, yeah. hey guys, I, sorry. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna no, take I, off, I, but it so, was great. It was great catching up. All right. See you, Tim. Right Thanks down. so much. Yep. yep. Catch you later. Yep. See you, Tim. Yeah, I mean, I do. I do think you know. And look, you, there's still time. You can still find a career in basketball if, uh, <laughs> if you want. I mean, yeah, I, let's, I think let's take let's take one more call. Let's take another yeah. caller first here. Um, <laughs> then we'll get back to this, okay? All right, Jim, you're you're on. Hey, Justin, uh, big fan. Uh, I was the guy who. You called in first. That's because I hadn't used this app before. You, your <laughs> podcast here was the first time I've decided to use this app, uh, and I was just pushing buttons. <laughs> I didn't know what. It was. Yeah, yeah. So, you're not so, alone in that. So here, hold on. You're accidentally on this app, right? <laughs> right. Almost, almost <laughs> accidentally. Right. I mean, I mean, yeah. you know, Ben Greenwald's been on here, and and Jesse Signal, and I've been ignoring. You got this notifications pop up, and I've ignored it. But Justin and Mash, I've got to listen to that. <laughs> and I also agree that it's awesome that Nick Gillespie is on here. Uh, so it's very interesting to hear them talk about, to hear your friends talk about you and how you were, because like, I'm the same way, like all, like it's gotta be right. Everything's gotta make sense. And, and, and a question I want to ask you, but I'm not going to ask you yet. Maybe I'll come back and ask is, is how you came to libertarianism. But the question I actually want to ask you is, you, you were talking about the amendment process and how, like, the, proce- the process of Congress is so messed up. Like, you can't even, like, a member can't even get an amendment put forth. And I'm wondering how that is even possible. Like, I'm f- a little familiar with parliamentary law, right? Not with sp- specifically Congresses. But, like, a member should be able to offer an amendment. And if get, he gets shut down, there's things that the members can do. I, I know this is a gigantic question, but how in the world is this even possible? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a very good question because you're right that it should be possible for the members themselves to stop this from happening. And technically, members of Congress could stop it from happening. However, the system is – it's – so corrupted at this point that people are unwilling to stand up for their rights as members of Congress, their rights to represent people. Explain waiving the rules. Yeah. So, so the, the, the reason members of Congress don't have power is because they vote away their own power. So the, the rules of the house are actually, um, fairly liberal um, relative to how they actually operate. They they could be more liberal in the sense, and I mean liberal in, in the sense of yeah. free, where like members have the opportunity to to participate. And they could be even more liberal than they are. But what happens is every single week, members of Congress come in, and the the leadership team of the majority party, the the speaker's party, comes in and says all right, we're going to put a resolution on the floor and you guys are going to wave away or suspend your power. So there is power that members of Congress have and they say, hey, here, here's a 
here's a rule, and you're going to basically wave away your own rights. Right. And the members of Congress do it. And people might ask, well, why would they do this? Well, they do it because there are a lot of reasons. First, members of Congress don't actually want to think. They don't right. want to have to think. It's a lot easier for them to just have someone take care of them. And um, and I mean, by that, I mean the speaker or the leader of their own party. Right. They um, they have someone come in and tell them how to vote. They don't have to think about it. They move as a pack. So they move with the whole group. Uh, you know, all the Republicans move one way, all the Democrats move another way. That gives them cover because it's, you know, safety in numbers. They are told if they follow the group, they will get funding for their campaigns. They won't have primary opponents. Um, there's all sorts of stuff that is promised to them. They'll get the what about committee what, assignments. Committee assignments. <laughs> um, and I left Congress with no committees to, to show you how it works. Um, they give you committee assignments. They'll give you a chairmanship of a committee. There's all sorts of stuff that they will dangle in front of you. Um, early on, they used to even dangle things like, uh, we won't take you out to dinner anymore because they go to these fancy dinners. The lobbyists come and pay for these dinners. And, um, and so the leader of your party will say, we won't, we won't take you to dinners anymore. You're just going to be isolated. So these members of Congress come in and they, they have every incentive to basically hand over their part power to the leadership team. And they're not even interested in getting it back. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't turn around because they actually don't want the power back. Right. They, I mean, I would, go ahead. No, someone's making a lot of noise back there. I don't know who it is, but oh, it's it's one of our speakers, I'm sure. Um, Jordan Rabo. I'm going to blame one of them. But the members of of Congress don't even want their their own power back. You know, they are perfectly happy to just. Um, hand it over and let someone else take care of them because it's just a lot easier to do. So, so yeah, yeah, go ahead. Well, I, I mean, I, I hear you and like Massey griping uh, very validly about how the process is messed up, but I've, I've, I've won, been wondering like, okay, but I'll, I'll, why doesn't Amash stand up and say point of order, you know, I, but that, that's it because, because they, they sign away that's like in motions like every week. Is that what's going on? Yeah, I mean, you could raise a point of order and slightly delay the process, but the only way you can ever stop anything is by having enough people to block the majority party from doing what it wants to do. And if you don't have enough people to block that, then you're stuck. Now, an example of where Democrats are wasting their power right now, like there are Democrats who claim to care about the process. And I served with some of these Democrats. The margins are actually small enough right now in Congress between Republicans and Democrats that a few Democrats could team up and basically upend the whole process and get it working the right way. It would probably only take a handful of Democrats who say, I want to do the right thing, and they would have to change the whole process and allow amendments. It's kind of like how Joe Manchin has leverage in the Senate or, or cinema has leverage in the Senate Senate there. Are, you wouldn't take more than a half dozen Democrats right now to say we want to change things. Whenever I was in Congress, it would have taken um, 25, 30 typically members to change things. And we could never get beyond 
maybe a dozen who would ever be, um, you know, willing to stand up. So it was just not possible for our, our group to change the process. So Justin, the only way would you, yeah. Well, w- w- so would you say um, that being strong on process is is in some way stronger than someone's viewpoint on policy? So would a strong pol- process be more beneficial to a party than than what exactly their stance on a certain policy issue is? Because it would it would allow for debate. Yeah, I think that I think if someone wants to challenge the Republicans and the Democrats, if that's what you're getting at, I think that the way to challenge them is on process because the system is totally broken. And, and as a libertarian, I can say uh, libertarianism at its core is about process. When you look at what libertarianism is is really about, it's about process. It's about ensuring that people's rights are protected. And those are largely process issues because libertarians are open to a diversity of um, viewpoints and ways of living. So it's not about telling people they have to do this or they have to do that. It really does come down to a focus on how our system works so that we can decide all these things peacefully rather than through conflict, through like physical conflict, which is sadly, where it seems to increasingly be headed, where people are just, you know, angry with each other and want to fight each other instead of actually resolving it peacefully through um, through a legislative process. So, yeah, I, I think that process is a more important goal if you're if you are a political party than substance. You can say you want this and that and the other substantive thing. And libertarians can do that, too. They can say we want this thing and that thing. But none of that is happening if the process is broken. So you you got to focus on that first. All right, cool, thanks. Uh, yeah. As a as a closing note, uh, I wanted to thank you for not running for president because the first thing <laughs> like, West very Red kind, of, very kind of you, Jim. <laughs> yeah, joins the party. Okay, which yeah. Jim? Who, who are you talking uh, to? Because uh, four of us didn't run for president. Which one? Uh, all of you. All of you. <laughs> Because, because, and and then they lose right over and over again. So I want to, I want you, I, I want you back in Congress, and then you know maybe senator, and then president. You know when, when we actually when we actually have some clout. But thanks, I, my- I, I, I'll I'll take that the right way, and I'll, I appreciate that, Jim. That that means a lot. <laughs> Thank you. I'll do I'll do the same, Jim. Thank you. <laughs> you you gonna run for president, Bill? No, I have absolutely no interest in your line of work. <laughs> My line of work is podcasting, and you're here too. So, <laughs> so well, we can um, we can talk about basketball now. Someone's been trying to bring that up for a while. So, <laughs> so this this is one of those those facts that most people probably don't know about you. And I think that's probably why a lot of people want to, you know, follow you on social media and, and, and listen in on this to get the, you know, what is the real, the real Justin Amash. Uh, so I, I guess I'll just lay the elephant in the room out there. Somebody on this call tried out for the basketball team four years in high school. 
<laughs> and, and and was an amazing tryout in all four years in, well, in high school. Well, hold on. Did, didn't four people try out? Yeah, yeah that's true. All four all tried out, huh? That's true. <laughs> four, I, four people I tried out. I only played two years. <laughs> what, one person was 0 for 4 in their tryout attempts. <laughs> but that person worked harder than, than anybody, anybody else. else. Anybody, anybody else. else. Wait, does that speak to my lack of skills, though? <laughs> yes, I mean, you, yes. You, you, you said it. Now, but to be to be fair, wasn't year four a a a, a pity jersey? I, I no. thought there was there was like, hey, you can have a jersey that you will just sit here with. But I'm actually, yeah, I'll talk about this. That I'm actually get interested in getting Jordan's take on this a little bit. But I I did try out for basketball four years in a row. I loved basketball. <laughs> I love basketball. Detroit Pistons, baby. Detroit Pistons. Um, I was there for their championship game. I mean, I loved basketball. I was actually in the arena. And when I was... We're all, did all of us go to Detroit when the Bulls played I the Pistons? I think we went to a game together, yeah, right? Yeah, we did. We, we went did. to a game, yeah. Like, that was the time I got to see Michael Jordan play. <laughs> yeah. So, I loved basketball, but... Um, it didn't I love would, you. I I would practice every night. I'd go out. I'd be in my driveway. That would get dark, and I'd be shooting hoops and just like you know, I turn the lights on. It'd get late. This is what I did, like day in and day out, just trying to play basketball. And I tried out freshman year. I tried out sophomore year, junior year, and senior year, and kept getting cut. Finally. By senior year, by senior year, it was obvious to the coach, at least, and to the team that I was working hard at this, um, and that you weren't going away. And that they could, yeah, I was going to come back. I was going to come back as a fifty-year senior if they didn't um, put me on there. Like, was, never mind that you were valedictorian; you were going to repeat senior year. That's right. I was going to come back to come back bigger, stronger, and better prepared. Yeah. So I um I I tried out that senior year, I worked my butt off, and I just remember the coach took me in, I think after he talked to everyone else on the team. I'm pretty sure. Like, you know, when when they're gonna tell you if you're on the team or cut you, they take you one by one, they bring you into a room and they give you the news. And um I remember in in one of my early years uh, I go in there and the, the coach started crying. I mean, he was really sad about cutting me. And I think that was like maybe my sophomore year. Just very was that, sad. Was that because it. said coach just avoided all um, conflict or? I'm not sure what it was, but he, I mean, he, he cried. And I, I had to be like, no, I'd be like, no, it's okay. That was the coach me. with the mustache, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. So, so, so I I had to say like no, it's okay. Like I had to con- console the coach who was cutting me. Like it's all right. It's no big deal that you cut me. Like don't worry about it. Um. So then my senior year, different coach. I get called into the um, the room, and I'm the last one called in, which is a little bit peculiar. And the coach says something to me like, Justin. Uh, I don't really have room for you on this team. 
I don't really think you're you're cut out for this. Uh, but the guys really like you, and looks like you worked really hard. So I guess we can, you know, make a space for you. Uh, like and he's, he started getting like really defensive. Like uh, we won't have a like, jersey for you. It won't be quite like a. <laughs> You won't be quite like a gopher, you know, someone who just goes to get the ball, retrieve the ball for the other other players. Um, but it, it was very much implied this guy did not want me on there and that I was going to essentially be brought in as the ball boy um, to, to help, you know, Jordan, you know, get Jordan's rebounds or whatever. And, well, th- and that, that, because that Jordan was the only one on that team senior year, yeah, correct? Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, and, and, and Tim, I, I am transferred. And, and so, Tim, the, the Tim, the Tim, the caller who was here, Tim and I, and and one other guy happened to be the captains of the team that that year, and I, I remember that tryout very vividly, and ha- like almost negotiating with coach, going, yeah, on the between the lines, Justin is not going to contribute. Ouch. <laughs> Hold on. I, Jordan, let more, me be fair. I think I contributed just about as much as you did that year. More, oh. More, 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 oh. Than some other, more than some other player would have. But, but nobody has ever wanted that spot or worked harder for that spot ever than, uh, than Justin did. And, and I wasn't actually, we weren't in there. It was just, it was just you and coach during the actual, during the actual conversation. But and I, and if yeah. I remember right, Justin, you didn't you didn't decide right away, did you? He said like think about it because I feel yes. like we I had transferred, but I feel like we had talked about it and like yeah, you reached out he, and was like, um, "What do you think?" I'm pretty sure he gave me the night or something to think about it, and for me it was, and I I I still think about this a little bit. Um, you know, did I make the right decision? But. No, you, you know, absolutely I, should have said yes. I want to be on this team and just every day stuck it to him. But hey, <laughs> I did not feel right about being on a team where the coach didn't really want me. I was like, if I haven't earned it in this coach's eyes, then I don't want to be on this team. But what's and the difference? You were, of, but you were. What's the difference of being for... in Congress and the speaker didn't really want you? I mean, you <laughs> stuck that you out were for a Republican while. and the coach didn't want you. Yeah, I mean, no one wanted you there. I don't. I guess this is the story of my life, huh? Um, Well, maybe maybe it shows maturity. Where in the in high school you caved and you ran away, and you know in your adulthood you. Well, I don't know if I ran away. I felt. um, I don't know. I don't know if running away is the the right (laughs) right way to put it, but I felt like it wasn't fair to me in, in terms of how hard I'd worked. And I think that the coach should just say you're in or you're out. And just, you know, I don't, I don't like all this added nonsense, like where I've got to describe why I don't really want you on the team. Because what does that do for a, a kid, especially you know, you're talking to these um, young high school kids. And I was a young high school kid at one point. What, what good is it to tell them, Hey, I don't really want you here, but like someone else wants you here, so I guess I'm kind of pressured to put you on. Um, you just just put me on, and if you want to criticize me, if you want to, I don't know, Jordan is is 
<laughs> that's uh, that someone was me. I I was the one that was trying to get you on the team. Yeah, yeah. No, I know that. <laughs> I know, I that. know that. In case, there, in case there's any misconception, yeah, that yeah. was but that was me. But um, but anyways, it it all worked out. Like I said, I had um, yeah, it worked. I had it worked out. I had you, you almost. Seemed, you seemed on. to turn out okay. I had almost <laughs> as many that. That year, I had almost as many points as Jordan and way fewer turnovers. So it all worked out. <laughs> it all worked out. So, it, uh, so it all worked out just fine. Um, but, you know, I you, you just don't know how things turn out. Like, if I'm on that team, yeah, you know, I ended up being valedictorian of, of our class, and maybe I'm not valedictorian of the class. So you just don't know how any of this works out. Um, let's, let's get to this um, – this next caller. But wait, I didn't make the team, and I didn't end up valedictorian. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bo. Devin you're, on. Devin, you're on. You gotta um, unmute. Awesome. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah. Yes, sir. How's it going? Hey, Justin. Uh, it, thank you guys for uh, have, uh, putting on this podcast for all of us. It's uh, it's been interesting uh, listening to you guys talk. Thanks. Um, so. I'm I'm a bit more selfish than some of the other uh, uh, callers that have come in. I'm I'm a fellow Michigander. Um, my my question has to do more with uh, uh, with the states. Um, there's been an attitude for uh, certain states um, when it comes to federal overreach. Uh, things like when I'm talking about like uh, vaccine mandates and and all that and whatnot. Um, what is what is what are your thoughts on uh, states kind of taking back their rights uh, to to sort of uh, regulate how they should be able to hand, handle a pandemic. Because I feel like as though the, the federal government has really, really, really gone in and, 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 not, and not done us well when we, when we can handle uh, all of our, uh, our problems where we are at, Ser- serve the people where they are. Well, I'm, I'm all for what you're talking about. I mean, decentralization um, which takes many forms, and federalism is one form of decentralization, is an important part of our constitutional structure. And it exists not just for fun. It's not just because the, um, the framers of the Constitution were like, hey, let's just, um, this sounds like a fun thing to try. It exists because they understood that concentrated power is dangerous. It's dangerous to our rights, and also it's not well adapted to the uh, particular circumstances that people find themselves in in different parts of the country. When, when our country was founded, the whole country had like just a few million people. It was not very big. And it was not as diverse as it is today. It was a less diverse country and a much smaller country. And even so, they thought, well, we better not concentrate all this power in the federal government. That would be very dangerous. We need to divide this power uh, because communities have a better grasp on how to handle things than the government. And, and as we know, individuals and families also have a better grasp than, um, say, uh, even a local government. So we divide powers, different levels of government do different things for something like um, how you're going to handle um, all the closures and other things, it's very obvious 
you know, during a, a pandemic. It's very obvious that it makes more sense for all of that to be handled locally based on what is happening locally and not on a national level, because New York City is nothing like Hastings, Michigan. You know, these are very different places or where Bo's over, Bo's over there in Alaska. Um, that's very different than Orlando, Florida, where, where Chad lives. You know, these are different places and people in those places. I think we're, should... I think we're handling it equally poorly right now, though. <laughs> yeah, you're all handling it poorly in different what, ways. What day but... is it where you are, Bo? <laughs> that's a good, I would have to check, but I think it's <laughs> Yeah, so I think that, uh, and, and it is also true I mean, Bo makes an interesting point, which is that it's also true that regardless of the measures that have been taken, you've seen pretty similar outcomes throughout the country. Like it is, it does not seem to depend as much on um, what has been tried in different places as much as the virus itself has its own, you know, way of traveling throughout the country in, in waves. Um, but that's all the more reason why. We want diversity of effort when you're fighting a pandemic um, and when you're making decisions like this, because you want to see whether differences, whether differences of attitude, differences of um, how you address things make a difference, because that's information. If you do everything at the top, you lose a lot of information. You don't you don't actually know. Um, you don't know what you don't know because you didn't try it. So it's important to, to try different things and see what happens because it's from those trials that you um, that you make great discoveries and and the fewer trials you have the fewer discoveries we're going to have. So awesome. thanks so yeah thanks Devin. Uh, can I can I have just a small yeah, follow up to yeah, oh yeah sure, sure. Uh, so. Um, yeah, I mentioned earlier that I'm a bit more selfish than some of the other callers that came in. Uh, again, I'm a fellow Michigander. Um, would you ever consider uh, running for governor? <laughs> I get, you know, I get asked that a lot. Um, I I have no interest in running for governor right now. Um, I, I've thought about it for sure, but how about state senate? I, I, yeah, <laughs> you know, that's not happening. So I just think. I need a little bit of time away from the politics. You know, I, I was in Congress for 10 years. I was in the state house for two years. I'm, I like that I'm taking some time, um, spending time with my family. I like that I am taking a break from, um, the political life. I like that I can do things like have a podcast and speak to people about different ideas. I think, um, I think these are things that help me, uh, you know, set the right balance in my life and get to the place where in the future I might run again. So right now I'm not really, it's not really my thing. Um, I'm not really interested in it, but yeah. I don't know what the future holds. Yeah, well, certainly. I, politically, I politically speaking, you're really young. Yeah. I'm, you're not, like, I'm not that old. You're yeah. almost like 40 years short of your prime as a politician. <laughs> right. Like Biden is like twice my age. So, right. so Biden, Pelosi, right. McConnell, like, You've got Close decades ahead of you. Yeah, I'm uh, cer cer certainly glad that you're uh, building your foundation and um, doing like stuff like this podcast. Now, I, I wasn't talking about 
uh, seeking governorship uh, within the near future here. I know that I know that the, the election's coming up here soon, anyways. But um, yeah, and so but I, no, it's I, it's great. Yeah, I'd be I'd be happy to consider it down the road, but right now I'm not thinking about it. Yeah, I'm certainly glad that you're uh, still considering a a career in this in the future, um, where wherever you might be. But know that you'd have my my support for governor. Thanks, Again, Devin. I really appreciate selfish. that. Thank you. Thank you. So, like in sheep hunting and whatnot, there's like a grand slam where you get like all the major wait, wait, wait. North you American sheep. sheep? Whoa, 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 sheep hunting. <laughs> yeah. Like big. What's the hunting. connection? Well, I'm just wondering if you can go for like a political grand slam, like <laughs> Congress, Sh- Senate, Judy's got you, governor, <laughs> president. Yeah, like, you get all the trophies mounted on your wall. Here, here's the thing. Like, I know you're just asking in jest, but some people, I, I see a lot of my colleagues do this kind of thing where they they jump from one political job to the next, and they're seemingly disconnected. Like, do they really have to have every position in government? Like, do you are you that you know obsessed with? being in public life or being in government that you've got to take every position. And that kind of stuff drives me crazy. I, I want to serve where I think I can add value. I think I did add a lot of value as a congressman. I, I really believe that. I, I learned and got better as I went along. And I think I left the job um, in many ways at my peak in terms of my skill um, and in terms of how I was representing the district. I uh, will only run for things where I think I can really add value because it's not about, you know, a lifestyle for me. I don't really want the lifestyle of a politician. Um, so I think I there are some places where I could I could add a lot of value. I liked being in Congress when we were working on legislation. I really did like it a lot. Um, there there are some ways in which that's almost an ideal job for like the way my mind works. I really I like working through legislation i um i i like the the challenge of reading something and thinking about whether it's written correctly and how it can be improved and how to protect people's rights i love all that but congress was no longer like that by the time i left and and so you know it's it's not the same place and if we could get it back to the right place i'd love to to get back in there but it's just not there right now yeah. So well, let's, uh, well let's and to the correct uh, me if I'm wrong. To, oh, go ahead. Bob. Yeah, oh, I was just going to say you wouldn't vote for something in Congress unless you'd had time to read the entire bill. Correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, because I think it's wrong. Which to is vote not on, the norm. It's that's not the norm at all. It's wrong to vote on something that you didn't read. Not even if not even your staff read it. I mean, this is like that's like really bad form in my opinion. Nobody would ever do this in their regular life you'd never have like someone come to you with a business contract and they're like um here's a, here's a three thousand page contract or five thousand page some of these bills were like over five thousand pages here's five thousand pages you've got 30 minutes to tell me and, and sign the bottom nobody would do this if you were a company and you did this your shareholders would revolt and you'd be booted out as ceo or president you'd just be out of the company They'd never accept it yet. Well, something that is something that's more. Yeah. For something that's more important, which, you know, governing all of these, because 
because government is uh is you know something that affects all of the companies and all of the people in the United States. So we're not just talking about uh, like one transaction when when we're voting on something in Congress, we're affecting everyone. So it's it's even more important for you to know what's in it because you're going to affect a lot of people with whatever you vote with however you vote. And yet these people were saying things like, "Oh, it's 5,000 pages, um, you know, you got 10 minutes to vote on it, no problem." And the the thing that drove me crazy a lot of things drive you crazy in, in government, but was that depending on which party was in power, people on Twitter would just make excuses for that for that party if it was their party. Like if the Republicans were in power and they gave you 10 minutes to vote on something, all the Democrats would come in and say, this is terrible. Uh, it's outrageous. And the Republicans would say, no, it's perfectly fine. They know what's in it or whatever. And I would, of course, I'd be agreeing with the Democrats. That it's outrageous. I'd go against my own party at the time. Then when the Democrats get in power, Nancy Pelosi's running the show. They do the same exact thing. Now the Republicans come in and they say, oh, this is this is terrible. And the Democrats are coming in on Twitter saying, oh, it's perfectly fine. You've had this bill, you know, for months. It's been sitting out there or whatever, which is not true. Like people introduce bills um, sometimes well in advance. It'll be like a shell. But the final product is what matters. The final product is what we're voting on. We're not voting on the shell bill that was introduced like two months ago. We're voting on the final product. So um, anyways, it was just a it was a very frustrating process. And and the idea that you wouldn't read legislation is, you know, simply outrageous to me. But that's how it works. And uh, none of people, you know, make any raise any fuss about it okay i'm gonna go to the um next call i'm gonna go to to Vale, i believe Vale, Vale, unmute your microphone you're on hey how is everyone great oh, you, are you, have you have an accent i do have an accent indeed and uh you know it's good to be here justin i love hearing about your time in congress and your journey and so I got to ask you, how the hell do you know these guys? I mean, Jordan, Chad, Bo. If this episode is about meeting them back in high school, what was the the superhero origin story when it came to getting to know them? That, uh, thanks. That's a good question. It's something you know we're talking about. I, I actually surprised we haven't gotten to it yet. But you know, I went to um, a an elementary and middle school that did not feed into Grand Rapids Christian High School, which is the high school we we all met at. Um, we all attended Grand Rapids Christian. Chad at some point um, uh, left Grand Rapids Christian, but we were all that's where we all met. And my elementary middle school did not feed into Grand Rapids Christian. In other words, people who went there typically went to a different high school. And so when I arrived at Grand Rapids Christian, I didn't really know anyone. You know, we're talking about a class of about 300 people, and there were a few people coming from my middle school with me, um, two or three. And I, Justin, I, I went to Kellogg's. Uh, yeah, 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 I know. So that, that really, is true, but I mean, I know you guys went early on, but Jordan, you really came to any, Millbrook, so, I think, in middle school. For like, middle school, right. That's right. So to, to clarify, I knew Jordan. Um, but we, you know, we hadn't been friends for a while because he had left 
Kellogg'sville Christian in what, third grade? After third grade. After third grade. So, um, I don't know, was it because they don't, there's no dancing and no gambling there. Is that why? That was that was the problem. I was I was <laughs> uh, like, got to leave three dance. feet to the Lord. So <laughs> like it was just a little, a little too strict for you. So um, so I so after third grade, I didn't see Jordan again. No goodbyes or anything. I don't know. He just disappeared. <laughs> um, and and then when I got to high school, I was like, oh, you know, Jordan Bush is here. Um, and I remembered him from Kellogg'sville and we had been friends up till third grade. So I, you know, I was like, <laughs> I guess, I guess he's a way in to some of these other people, you know, like I don't really know many people here, but you guys came from Millbrook and that was a pretty big, um, student body in terms of Grand Rapids Christian. So it was a big was theater like, school. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, if I can get, you know, back to some relationship with Jordan talking to Jordan, um, you know, maybe that'll, um, introduce me to some other people. And I don't remember like how I just I, remember you. I mean, I think it was just awkward around, first, right. It was very, yeah, right. I, just, like, well, I, I just remember like this guy that we didn't know would just sort of <laughs> walk with us. And I was just, like, a, okay. Yeah, was, okay and, and with no, I was, re- think, no I was thinking about this. Yeah, I, I was, was thinking, thinking about, about this this week. <laughs> I don't remember meeting or how we became friends. But at some point, like, you were just there, and then that was... <laughs> but but it culminated... That was, that was the, the, the friendship. Like, it, it did culminate, I remember, with an invitation for stakes... At his house. That's it. I got. I bought you guys. I don't think steaks. I got that invitation though. Sorry, Bo. <laughs> Are you sure? You guys have mentioned that multiple times, like steaks yeah. at Justin's house, and I don't. It was have like that memory. Two. It was. We it was did have steaks. steaks. Yes, we Bo, absolutely. You didn't I'm sure you did. You look like exactly the kind of guy you'd invite to steaks. <laughs> <laughs> I would well. love to sit down and have steaks with you and your family. But. <laughs> Is I mean, I remember happened? like Jordan, Tyson Holyfield. Oh, absolutely! And Little Caesars Pizza. Oh, it was every it was every Tyson it was every Tyson fight. Every Tyson right. fight. Jordan, do you remember how it happened? Because like you would have been the person that I knew. Yeah. I, did I just like start saying like I passed you and kind of like you know sheepishly? Hey, want to hey, come Jordan. over this weekend? Hey, Jordan. Yeah, well, and Jordan, Jordan and Tim were tight. I thought, and I'm trying to remember. It was. It was. Me, you, Jordan, I think Tim. Was it just the three of us? Oh yeah, for steak in the backyard. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. <laughs> in the backyard? I remember I remember yeah. it well. I missed some, out. Be, it, some hey, backyard grilling. Maybe we sh- we shot some hoops. Justin like showed us his his skills. <laughs> yeah. I mean maybe, maybe we was... need to get t- I I can understand and we can get Tim back on here to talk about my appetite in that era. <laughs> And I would understand not inviting me based on how much steak I could have eaten. I, you know what? That may have come up. He was like, I but, want to invite Bo, but we're not that well off. so. But we don't have that much steak. <laughs> this is a steak shortage. I, I just think it was, these are, these are the people. And then this. Tim, this Tim's is, back in the collar queue, by the way. We wanted well, to bring he, him up um, to talk about steak. Wait, is, okay, let's Because if there's, a, if there's anybody amongst 
all five of us that can speak steak, it would be Tim. Oh, well, I thought you, it was you okay I if I bring Tim back in for a second? <laughs> bring bring Bale, him back. But I think we should get Kim, Tim's input on steak. Right. I'm going to bring Tim. Yeah, we'll get Tim back in here. I mean, it, it, it's steak and pizza buffet. Um, so let's, let's so go. Tim and I discussed yeah. Pizza Hut buffet last month. Like. We did, and and I I would have remembered if I had steak at Justin's house. I mean, oh. I, I was not. I was. We not didn't live there. that far. You we weren't live very yeah. far from each other. No, you I were did. around the corner. We were. I was a pitching wedge away from your house. I mean, yeah. that's essentially Ouch. it. So. Which is just an it's interesting we're, we're that we live we live so late. close. Or was it that you were smart and Bo, you were smart and were like, I don't know this person. I'm not accepting a random invitation. <laughs> what, so what did, no, do? no free calories steak. and like I'm in. Yeah, so, so Bo Bo can Bo can eat more than anybody I've ever met in my life. And we used to anytime we had a half day at school, we would go to Pizza Hut Buffet. And I mean, he he would just get played after play. And I, Bo, I, you'll correct me if I'm wrong. I I believe your record was something like 14 pieces of pizza and like 12 breadsticks or something like that. It, I mean, it was just yeah, absolutely it worked insane. out to it was something. It was like it was equivalent to a couple of large pizzas and a family order of breadsticks or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so Julie, but I wasn't there for steak. Do you remember? Is that like the? Is that how we became friends? Like I, that's how that's, I like Justin. That's I like how we became the, friends. Like I paid you off with a steak. <laughs> that is how we a hundred percent. That is how we became friends. And then I was like, this guy's kind of nice. And then, and then, <laughs> and then kind of nice. Just, <laughs> this is a different cat. Sort of, uh, you know, stuck it out. But yeah, I mean, it was uh, Chad. I, I yeah, think, maybe, maybe just you and I had steak. <laughs> maybe it was. Maybe there might have been there might have been another person or something. But it was double D whatever, there. You don't. <laughs> whatever the case. Whatever the case. That would have been all I know is. Expo. All I know is I started hanging out with you guys, and eventually you just kind of accepted it. Yeah, you you were there. You were. Yeah, it was like this guy's. And then I guess it was we're great. stuck with this guy, <laughs> right? We, I mean, we became close friends, but like, but I think at first it was a little bit awkward. But you know, it's it goes back to my um, being a little bit introverted back when I was younger. Um, although, like, I obviously in high school was it was pretty like you know open about my views on various things too. So like, it's just a combination of being a little bit shy and also um, maybe a little bit, um, I don't know what the word is. You guys can come up with it, but, but um, you know, in terms of my friend, well, I don't know about that, but you can, <laughs> I mean, you can frame it however you want, but, but um, I just remember hanging out with you guys and then eventually it became you know, more of a real thing. Like at first it was a little bit like, I don't know them very well, but Hey, um, they're willing to hang out with me. That's cool. Cause I don't, I don't really know anyone at the school. And then I feel like it worked to my benefit in some ways that I didn't know that many people at first, because what happened was I was forced to meet 
some people here, some people there in the various cliques. You know, it was like not just like you guys had the Millbrook thing going on. And so I got into that. But I also like, you know, had to meet people from other cliques. And I didn't really know who was in what. Like, I didn't know what the friendships were. So when I met someone else, I didn't know whether they're friends with you or not friends with you or where they went to middle school. As a result, I think there's some ways in which I was able to bring people together who otherwise would not have interacted. Where like mm-hmm. some of the Sylvan kids were brought together with Millbrook people and, and some other people. Um, and, and maybe I was a little bit of the glue to, to bring that together. Yeah. Are you declaring yourself the great unifier? I was a great, I was a unifier oh. at that time. Yeah. I was a great, the great the complexities of adolescence and puberty. And Justin was there to uh, bridge that gap. I, I, navigate I, it. I ushered you through it. <laughs> we got through it. So, all right, let's, um, should we get uh, Jenny's been patiently waiting here? Shall we get Let's her on? Let's do it. Let's all do right. it. I love all of the goodwill. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You guys, you guys are joyful to listen to because I can tell you're such good friends. And I grew up in Michigan, so it's it's Michigan night. I was all born right. in, at Beaumont Hospital in Royal Oak, Michigan, on this yes. very day. 54 years ago. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. birthday. Celebrate with Justin and his friends. Man, I'm so glad you're here, Justin, because I feel like you are such a common sense politician and I appreciate your views on so many things. And so, you know, it's just joyful to think about you and this, again, there's just the spirit of goodwill that's emanating from the show. I think of it as just a harbinger of good things to come. So, you know, rock on. Thank you, Jenny. That means a lot. And that's that's one of the things I want to do with this podcast. Just have a positive vibe, bring people in, have good conversations. Um, there's no political agenda here or anything like that. We just want to um, we just want to get get together, have conversations and have some fun. And hopefully well, we hopefully we learn things along the way, too. I don't know if you guys are feeling it, but that magic that's happening across the border from Detroit right now over in Ottawa is really just so exciting to me. I mean, we, as I was growing up, we, we would go over to Canada to go camping. We'd go to Boblo, go on the Boblo boat. I mean, this was my childhood. And so I have this real connection with Canadians. One of my roommates in college was a Canadian. And I love their just chill spirit. But man, isn't it fun to watch these people when they get a fire lit under them? Well, it's always fun to watch people who are excited about freedom. And, um, and you know, that's, that's one of the things I think we need to bring back is some, some positive energy to all this. I think that in the past several years, there's so much negative energy in politics, um, so much animosity and tension. And I think that we need to get back to uh, living life enjoying each other's company, um, not worrying about whether someone is a Republican or a Democrat or a Libertarian. Uh, I think we've just become too, um, we've become too separated as people, just, you know, where people have their own agenda and they're trying to push it all the time on other people. And let's just, 
let's just live together and, and not be hostile and angry all the time. And, um, and that's that's something I try to I tried to do as a congressman and something I want to do now. I, I just don't think there's enough um, love and kindness and tolerance of people. Well, and, and I don't know about you guys, but when yeah. I meet somebody new, my first question is not. So what's your political affiliation <laughs> to determine right. whether or not I can even talk to right. you your friend? You know, I just like to meet people and get to know them and, and you know, build a bridge where I can. Yeah, absolutely. And- and diversity of thought and, and ideas is, is great. Like, I love that I have a friend base that have all different viewpoints than I have. We, we I mean, got life some right be, on this call. Li- life would be very boring if every, um, to me, obviously plenty of people like it, but to me, life is very boring if everyone has the exact same viewpoint as I have. I mean, what, what, fun, what fun is that? Um, I totally agree. Well, my best, my a- best friends are all progressives. I'm the token conservative, but I love my friends. Yeah, and that's Absolutely. that's always been a wonderful part of the dynamic, Justin, that you and I have had. Yeah, is I mean, we we don't see eye to eye on a lot of issues, and and we started sitting down at 14, 15, 16 years old. And disagreeing, yep. and both of us respectively, respectfully thinking the other one's an idiot. <laughs> and you know, it was—I think it was six years ago—that I was back in Michigan, and we got together, you and Jordan, my yeah. wife and I. And leading up to that, you know, my wife knew she knew your politics, and that was about all she knew of you. And she knew my politics and would ask me and was just like, how are you two friends? (laughs) Like our politics don't necessarily line up. That's right. And then we sat down together and it was within five minutes of us all getting together and hanging out in person. And she leaned over to me and she just said, I get it. Mm. And the friendship and the dynamic that we have was just so readily apparent to her in five minutes or less that she completely understood that even though our politics may not be completely in sync, there's just so much respect and appreciation for each other that we can have this amazing friendship that has lasted for several decades. Yeah, that absolutely. Supersedes politics supersedes issues and whatever. And Bo, what I'd say is, I think what's beautiful is people who have been listening to this podcast up to now, I don't think they would have known that you and I have very different political views on a whole bunch of things. Mm-hmm. And that's because we're just people, you know, we're human beings. And sometimes our views are going to overlap and sometimes they're not. And the important thing in life is that we can have conversations mm-hmm. and we can do it without thinking the other person is evil or out to get us or, um, you know, suggesting that the person has uh, bad motives because they disagree with us. People are allowed to have different opinions in this world. We all come from different places. You know, my I, I've mentioned my dad's a refugee. My mom is an immigrant. A lot of what happened during my childhood, just hearing their stories, shaped who I am today. Like a lot of my views are from that upbringing. And I hope people can respect that just as I respect that 
your upbringing may have shaped your views in certain ways. Someone else may have very different views altogether from either of us, and their upbringing may have shaped it, their own environment, their own experiences. And we have to respect that and understand it. When I think about someone who has different political views, like if someone is like, you know, some say like some far left socialist or something, right? I don't think to myself, well, they they believe those things because they want to hurt me or they're evil. I think they believe those things because something in their life has led them in that direction to believe that that is the right way. And I, if, if I'm going to persuade them about my views on things, I have to understand where they're coming from and talk to them as a human being, not as an enemy, um, because you know they may ha- also have misperceptions about why I'm coming from, where I'm coming from. And we should have this conversation and this engagement because that's the only way we can learn from each other. And and to me, that's what libertarianism is about. It's about human cooperation. It's about diversity of thought. It's about learning from each other. It's about growing. It's about humility. And um, and that's why you know that's why I hold the views I hold. And I, and I think you're right. You're right, Justin. And you know I may be off base possibly, but I do think that's where a big disconnect with today's media, today's politics, most people, and maybe I'm just wanting to believe this, but at at least in my social circles, um, my friends, you guys, they they do share those values. Um, What we see on, you know, the media would make you think that everyone, if you have a differing view, I just, I must hate you. And I, I, when you get into real life, that's not necessarily the reality. I mean, it does exist, obviously, but the vast majority to me of people strive to live that way. Um, Their neighbor is their neighbor because Mm -hmm. they're friendly and they get along and they may have different views but they're neighbors. And so they're going to treat each other with respect and as you would a neighbor. Again, that's not everyone, but, um, you know, it's sometimes hard, especially if you go on Twitter, which is just a very, I mean, very hateful place. It's crazy. It's it's really depressing. It is absolutely depressing. You go on Twitter. Um, Even Even the members of Congress tried early on. Do you remember the Common Ground Caucus, Justin? Mm-hmm. Where where members from Republican were like paired up, buddied up with a with a Democrat, and, and it was a forced kind of conversion of the two parties. And I always respected your relationship with like Polis uh, from Colorado. <laughs> um, Love Polis. You know, yeah, you know who politically, you know, if you, you know, if if you're just lining up planks in the platform, you guys don't see eye to eye on a whole bunch of stuff. But you guys got along great. And the things that you could push forward from a legislative standpoint, you did. And and it was almost in some ways easier to just go across party lines and go right to the to the principle of an issue and say, hey, we both agree on this, whether it's free speech, whether it's liberty, you know, whether it's Fourth Amendment stuff, because, hey, we agree on this. Let's see if we can push this forward. You know, forget about all the other stuff right now. Let's see if we can make an improvement on that. And I always I always respected that finding the common ground with, with people regardless of party. Yeah, I had friends on both sides of the aisle, and, and Polis was a, a great guy. He's governor of Colorado now. Um, he is. I, I live in Boulder, Colorado right now. And, oh, uh, do you? Yeah, he, oh, was our repre- he was our representative, and he yeah. did a great job, and we loved him. And um, I didn't vote for him to be governor, but he's doing a really good job. So um, 
and to that point, you know, growing up with watching my kids grow up in Boulder, um, everybody assumes that you're a, a liberal if you're from Boulder. And I'm, we're also involved in theater. So, of course, the theater people all tend to be leftists. And so it's just been interesting watching how progressives respond once you, they realize, you know, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a libertarian-ish conservative and uh, very much about free spirit, free spirited things. But it was my progressive friends in the early 90s who turned me on to the idea of being an anti-vaxxer, which I don't know when the script got flipped on that. But the thing I love the most about what the Canadian truckers are doing right now is that they're really backing up the position of those of us who are anti-vaxxers and do not want the mandates. And, and you know, you want to be hated? Go out on Twitter and just say the words, oh, by the way, guys, I'm an anti-vaxxer. The level of hate that you experience, I, I can't even quantify it, how it's been for me these last few years. And nobody wants to hear the rest of the story about why we made that decision, what's going on in our personal lives to make that decision, what I know. And it's like, I am so grateful that here's this group of people who are saying we will not discriminate against this group. It's just meant everything to me personally. So thanks, guys, for letting me tune in. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Jenny. So, uh, guys, what do you think about... Um, I, you know, I'll touch briefly on what you said. I think that people are allowed to make their own decisions about vaccinations. And I've always been anti-mandate. I'm, I'm for the vaccination. Um, but, you know, we have to learn to respect each other more. Like, it's, it's become such a, a tense environment where people's personal decisions about things are being treated as, well, they must not care about me. They must be evil. And we're not at all thinking about people's own circumstances, like what leads them to, to where they are. And if you want to persuade people, you have to come to people where they are. You can't just put your own biases on them. And, um, and I think that's like a, you know, a, a huge concern today in, in our politics. Well, I'm curious, um, Justin, and I know you have tweeted about the um, Joe Rogan, I guess you could call it controversy. I guess it's controversy. Um, you know, and Spotify and, and disinformation. And, and can you speak a little bit just in, in that space of, you know, I'm not getting, I don't want to get into, is it disinformation? Is it not? But mandating things and then basically allowing one or two people to be the basically authoritarian rule over what is proper information does seem a little um, scary. Yeah, of course it does. Because what is misinformation to some people is just, uh, you know, someone's someone else's interpretation of the facts. And there can't be some top level authority that's going to tell you these are the facts and these are not the facts. It has to be decided in a marketplace of ideas. And people in this country are allowed to give their opinions about things. And you're allowed to discount their opinions and reject their opinions if you don't think that they're right. Or if you think they've interpreted the facts incorrectly, you're allowed to reject that. You know, um, as an example, we had Jenny just on a second ago. 
I don't know what she's saying. She's anti-vax if she's actually against, you know, vaccines or just the mandates. Presumably she's against vaccines as well. Uh, in my opinion, vaccines can be great for a lot of things. They can be very useful in protecting your health. Uh, but, you know, I'm against mandates because the idea that you're going to mandate people do things, especially at the federal level, um, where you're so removed from the actual circumstances is just wrong and can become tyrannical very quickly because it could be just it could be something that to you seems so reasonable today. And then tomorrow there's something else that's required that you won't find so reasonable. And and I think that um, the terms misinformation and disinformation are increasingly used just as labels for things that you want to be silenced. You're, you don't want the information out there because it counters your narrative. And really, that should be decided, again, uh, with, with people having conversations with each other. They have conversations with their doctors. They have conversations with other people, and they make decisions for their own lives. It's not about um, someone at the top saying, this is how you do it and anything else is wrong. And look at it in, during this pandemic, how much of the stuff that was labeled misinformation ended up being true. And then there's other things that are labeled misinformation that are misinformation. So like some of it is misinformation or ends up being true. Other things that are misinformation end up being false. We know. Yeah, that. I thought that was very interesting but, in Rogan's response was, but, you know, like half the stuff six months ago was misinformation. Then I were like, oh yeah, that's actually, yeah. And, and how much of it now. is some, the stuff that Dr. Fauci has said that was misinformation. Um, it's misinformation today, but uh, back when he said it, he claimed it was the truth. And somehow, for some reason, there's always an excuse for Dr. Fauci and other scientists. Well, oh, well, they're scientists. They're allowed to change their minds or make mistakes. But if a, if a regular person says it, oh, well, no, they're just spreading misinformation. Um, but the irony and, there and is some I of the people that, that have been silenced are not just random guys. They're no, very they're accomplished they're scientists. Also, that, right. They're um, accomplished scientists who are also being told, hey, you can't talk about that. So. Look, but as as, as yeah, the only ahead, one Bill. here with, I mean, I I literally have scientists in my yes, job his name description. Yes, scientist. <laughs> we'll bring the scientist I mean, into this. Yeah, what do you think, scientist? I'm, I'm in. Granted, my field is environmental science, so I'm not a medical professional. Um, I have a number of people in my life very close to me who are medical professionals. I mean, the science on this issue changes as we learn more. Sure. I mean, it, it's, it's a moving target. It's variants. There's a, you know, there's a variety of factors. And as we learn more, I mean, that's, that's science throughout history and it changes and adapts Absolutely. to additional information. And it's kind of this constant pursuit of more information and, you know, the scientific method and testing and trying things and then looking at the results and making decisions based on that. So, Bo, don't you think this is why we should have open discussions about differences of opinion? I mean, it's true that not everyone is a scientist and not everyone is qualified to interpret the data, like, you know, accurately. They're not necessarily able to read the chart or read the graph and understand what's happening. However, we live in a country where... The idea is we put these things out there, we have conversations, and the only way you move from something 
being wrong to getting it to the place where it's more correct is by having these conversations, right? You have to have the person who questions the initial assumptions in order to yeah. get to the right place. Oh, and, and the questions and challenges are an incredibly valuable part of science. I mean, any, you know, published work in a scientific journal or anything is open to, you know, people challenging it or questioning it. But it's also why, in my opinion, we want people like Dr. Fauci and the CDC who have spent lifetimes and careers focused on this science, kind of taking the lead and looking at the data and looking at the information and forming guidance based on that. Right, but um, we should, you know, and, we should be able to- I mean, my opinion on mandates, I'm, I'm not inherently a proponent of mandates, but I've also personally very closely followed CDC guidance as something that I trust based on knowing that these are, you know, scientific professionals. Yeah, I get where you're coming from. What I'm saying is those people should be able to be challenged openly, though. The idea yes. that just because someone... um has the claim of being the leading authority on something and uh, maybe is very experienced in a certain area does not mean that they shouldn't be challenged because all growth comes from being challenged. And yeah. I do worry about um, being in a place in this country where people essentially take political sides about something that is science. And instead of being open-minded and saying like, I don't agree with you. I trust this person more or whatever. Instead, they're saying that person has to be removed from social media. That mm -hmm. stuff is misinformation or disinformation and can't be talked about. And then a lot of it ends up being right. And it may be right for the wrong reasons. It may be that the person at the time they said it <laughs> was not was not actually saying it based on any real data or anything. But it did end up being right. And so I think it's important to have those conversations and allow that stuff to be out there because otherwise we don't really challenge each other. All growth comes from being challenged. Every All progress is about someone who is in the minority, essentially, um, persuading people who are the majority that there is a better way to do something. That's like where all progress comes from. Like if someone does something in a different way, someone challenges the leading authorities on something and we get there. That's why if you look back several hundred years, scientists were saying all sorts of crazy things about the universe and everything. And today we have a much better understanding, but a lot of the people who had a good understanding even a while ago would have been called heretics or people who are defying the scientists. They would have been, you know, cast out and Hey, you're, you're preaching false science when you say, the earth is not the center of the universe or whatever it might be. People, people said that to those people back then. And they were labeled as spreading misinformation when they said things like, Hey, we're in a galaxy and um, you know, there's a solar system and the earth revolves around the sun. They were the ones who were said to be spreading misinformation. Yep. And so we just have to be really careful um, 
when we label things misinformation and, and disinformation, because it's often just being done in a political way to, to shut people down when what we really want in this world is engagement and discussion. And you can say someone's wrong. I think that's perfectly fine, people to say that they're wrong. This this goes to another point I want to I want to touch on briefly, which is the um the like with the Joe Rogan stuff, you know, what bothers me so much about what people are trying to do to Joe Rogan when they're saying like we don't want him speaking essentially is not that they are just saying he's wrong about this fact. It's that they're saying we don't want him to be able to to spread his message anymore. We don't want him to be there. They essentially want to shut down the conversation. And that is like peak illiberalism. The idea that you're not going to just say the person is wrong and you disagree and here's why he's wrong. You're going to say, no, no, we don't even want him to speak anymore. We want to basically take him off the air and shut him down. And I often get this thing like, where people say to me as a libertarian, they're like, well, Justin, don't you believe in the marketplace? If, you know, if people want to, you know, shut them down because um, Spotify is losing business and people are saying, take them off the air. That's a good thing because that's what the market is doing. And don't you believe in the market? You know, the market is just a tool for libertarians. It is not the end. Like what libertarians are about is liberalism. That is, freedom. It's freedom of expression. It's tolerance. It's diversity of thought. It's human cooperation. These are the things that libertarianism is about, and the market is just a tool. And if you use the market in a way that undermines liberalism, then yeah, libertarians are going to be against that. Just like if you use democratic means to install an anti-democratic regime, I'm going to be against that. I'm not going to say like, oh, well, they're using democracy to install their anti-democratic regime. Um, so then it's OK because I, you know, I support democracy. No, if, if I'm against the anti-democratic regime, I'm not the one who's against democracy. It's that regime that's against democracy. People can use positive tools for good and for bad. Mm-hmm. Democracy is a positive tool. The market is a positive tool, but can also be used for bad. It's a positive tool in the sense that on the whole. It's a it's better to have a democratic system. It's better to have a market system. These are things that work to the advantage of humans, but they're only tools to bring us to a freer place. They're not the ends themselves. So if someone uses democracy or the market or any of these other tools to spread illiberal ideas. And illiberal ideas include include things like let's shut down people we don't like then I'm going to be against that. Yep. And I think that a lot of people get confused about this. There are even libertarians on Twitter who are confused about this and don't understand it. And I hope libertarians will think about this and, and other people will think about this more carefully. Libertarians are not just like flat out like, oh, whatever the market decides is good or whatever democracy decides is good. No, our, our vision is a free society a liberal system. And if you're going to use the market or democracy to push illiberalism and, and, um, you know, trying to shut people down, trying to stop speech, 
then um, then we're going to be against it. And, and that's true whether it's the government doing it or whether it's private actors doing it. So anyways, I just wanted to get that off my chest because yeah. that's something that's been um, been frustrating over the past uh, week and months. Um, just like this inability to see uh, for, for people to understand why it is that I would think that someone like Joe Rogan should be able to speak. I mean, the fact that we have to have that conversation is kind of startling. Um, yeah. Why someone else, because I'm not against any, if, um, if MSNBC people want to spout off about their ideas or CNN or Fox News or whoever, there's all sorts of people on all those networks who I disagree with vehemently. And if they want to say it, they're free to say it. Yep. I'm not going to call for any of them to take that person off the air. You know? Well, that's, I mean, like, where has personal responsibility gone? Like, why just because someone on Name Your Channel, MSNBC, CNN, Fox, Joe Rogan says something, why is the assumption I, as a human, will automatically believe it? Like, why yeah, I I don't know. hear it and then be like, you know what? That doesn't make sense. You're or, not allowed to think for yourself, Chad. Yeah. Or, oh, that makes sense. Let me let me see what else is out there. I. It's just, it's a really strange place we find ourselves yeah. in. And, and I fear it's continuing to get worse. But then on the same, you see there's a backlash starting. And, uh, and I'm hopeful that people will continue to stand up what you're seeing the truckers in Canada and like people just saying enough, like we can speak for and think for ourselves. Like we hear you, we hear all sides. Now let us decide. Yep. But I also feel like the internet has given people a platform in which all of a sudden we put somebody like Fauci who spent a career focusing on these sort of things on the same level as Joe from wherever who did, you know, 15 minutes on Google. And all of a sudden it's like, they're almost weighted evenly in but people's shouldn't perception. Indiv- shouldn't individuals be able to weigh that? I mean, who's to say, who is like to say, which authority who's, the, who's is the, to say who's yeah. the expert on the subject no like the i think we know like who knows more about science like the random person or like a doctor like we we know right. that like nobody's nobody's doubting that and i i i by no means think joe rogan should be canceled yeah but joe rogan doesn't from claim, spotify joe rogan doesn't claim to be an expert in science so like no, and he's no. he's never said that he's never said he doesn't go on his program and say like, "Hey, I'm an expert in science." No, um, he's he's really good at basically admitting like he's an idiot. I mean, granted, I preface that with I've listened to two Joe Joe Rogan episodes, Snoop Dogg and one other one. But yeah, he does not he does not claim to be an expert, and he does a great job, I think, of bringing in a wide variety of guests with varying positions. Yeah, he had Doctor Sanjay Sanjay Gupta on there. So he's had, he's had, I mean, he had CNN's doctor, essentially. So he's brought in people with diverse viewpoints, and then he has a conversation with them. I'm not saying um, anyone should trust, you know, any uh, celebrity or personality over some scientist. Um, What I'm saying is that people should be free to decide for themselves. 
mm-hmm. that we can't have some authority at the top saying, well, this kind of commentary is forbidden and other commentary is allowed. We just we just can't do it. So um, in any case, that's been uh, that's been a frustrating thing. And I, yeah. I see I see all this stuff on um, on Twitter where I will tweet one thing now and I tweeted one thing, you know, say a couple of years ago. And depending on who is in office now. People just read it how they want to read it. They read it a different way. And something that was tweeted a few years ago under Trump, if you say it under Biden, now they're like, hey, we're, uh, you know, it's not acceptable now for you to say it. But a, but a few years ago, it was perfectly acceptable. So, um, all right, changing gears. And I don't yeah, know, Justin, if, if you are willing or open to, but I am just curious. So. This is the inaugural podcast. Um, there is. I, I'm sure it will only go downhill from here as I don't <laughs> see how this could be topped. Where, and, where could it go? And, and even I will not accept that anyone could do better. But do you have kind of do you have a top five? Like who are you? You know, you say you want it to be diverse. You want different. You don't want it to just be libertarian conversation over and over you want it to be culture life sports um do you have like a wish list of people that you would love to see come on here um i know you like to keep things close to the vest so ones that you're willing to share of that you would like maybe you know they may not even be people you've reached out to 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 have any conversations, but just curious. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm not sure I want to say names at this point. Um, I'm shocked. Because Jordan, yeah, I'm, uh, shocked. I'm not sure I want to say names. But I do, I do actually have a wish list of people, and I, it, it is going to be a diverse podcast. I'm going to bring people in from all walks of life, um, as it says in the description on the podcast. And uh, I will. some of it will be political. I, I plan to bring in people who are from the right, from the left, um, maybe anarchist who could present a very different perspective as well. Um, I would like to bring people in to discuss things like weight training. I'd love to discuss video games on here. I'd love to discuss sports at times, depending on like what's you know what's going on in sports. Do you, um, do you think do you think we could get Harbaugh again? I don't know. Who's we could we could see who come on. Who, who's now staying at the University of Michigan? He is staying at the University of Michigan. <laughs> Go blue. So, so I want to bring in um, all sorts of people, and I don't want to limit the scope of it. Like if if someone is interesting, they can come on the podcast. And anyone listening, if they have suggestions, please feel free to send them my way. Because if this is not going to be limited to just like some segment of the population or some political. Um, philosophy i want to have all sorts of people and i'm, I'm gonna and, i'm gonna be slightly disappointed if it goes from high school friends to elon musk <laughs> whatever you gotta what ramp up have? a little bit what is he what yeah. has he done jordan what has he done you could be the next elon musk jordan who knows who knows i do that i want i texted you earlier this week but i want to see you have killer mike yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll hey, Killer that. Mike would be that would be fantastic. Killer Mike would be good. He 
he can hold his own. That's an intelligent fellow, and uh, he's got some opinions. Yeah, so I, I definitely consider that. And um, like I said, I'll have pretty much anyone on here, um, provided I you know get the chance to challenge them if they're you know mm-hmm. if they're way off base, which I will do, obviously. But so for um, the for the record, it was Killer Mike, Elon Musk, Jim Harbaugh are going to be the next are the next yeah, guests you guys are on, on the some, Justin uh, Musk some podcast. high standards for the <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Um, but we're just learning here. You know, I don't know anything about podcasting. We're just we're just doing this and we're going to see where it goes. And it's something I wanted to do. It's something I think I can learn to do. Um, I'm a person who tries to get better every day. That's like my my mentality. I try to be better at my job every day. I try to be a better person every day. And what what co- is your job right now? I come in. Hey, I come <laughs> he's in. A pod, he's a podcast. What are you? He's asking? a podcaster. How, how how? But I was wondering about this this week. Like, how are you paying the bills these days? He he he, <laughs> no, he, yeah. he prunes we, he prunes his monkey puzzle trees. <laughs> his uh, Don Redwoods. <laughs> Do you still have the redwoods you bought years ago? Yeah. I remember you buying redwoods. Are they still yeah, growing? We, yeah, we've got redwoods. Yeah. Don, Don Redwoods, to be clear. I mean, they're How not. What are they doing? They're not like coastal redwoods. I've got, um, let's see, I've got two redwood trees in my yard here. Uh, Don Redwood trees, and they're big. We're talking about 30, 40 foot trees that I planted as, um, you know, as little seedlings. So, yeah, it's fun. I love planting trees. That would, I mean, that would actually, and I mean, that's, that's, you know, the number of times that we had to go somewhere and I would show up at the house and you would not be ready because you were, it took you longer shocker to uh, plant your trees. Um, So yes, I consider myself a part-time arborist as well. Um, Just through, through association of Justin's um, amazing talent with tree planting. Yeah, I've planted I've planted many trees in my day. Um, it's something that I find relaxing. It's enjoyable. It's um, you get to watch them over the years. You see them grow. I don't know. It's just a. It's kind of. It's it's a beautiful thing to watch to see a tree that you planted when it was just tiny become a thirty or forty foot tree. So I'm I'm excited about um, trees. Always have been. But uh, when are you uh, when are you coming down to uh, Disney? When are we gonna see you again? Yeah, there we go. I don't know. You'll That's see fun. me sometime. You know, I, I mean, I try it's fiftieth anniversary. There's a lot of fun will, going on. I will try to make it out there uh, sometime during the fiftieth. It'll be uh, so. Will, will are you, you are you the, as twenty six million dollars? Will you pay the twenty six million dollars for the Star Wars hotel? <laughs> no, I saw that. I saw that. it is like something like. You know, two nights are like, you know, you got to take out a second mortgage yes. to stay at the Star Wars Hotel. And I, I say this as a big Disney fan, but like, man, the the uh, the costs now are just wild. What are you okay, saying, Bo? You, you say big Disney fan? Yeah. But when we hung out years ago, like, big Disney fan is a huge understatement. Yeah, okay. 
<laughs> like, do you remain an over the top, quote unquote, big Disney fan? I I know a lot about Disney. Yes, I know a lot about Disney. <laughs> Actually, um, you know, Justin, one person that I would love for you to have on is um, Mickey Bob Mouse. Iger. No, Bob Walt Iger. Disney. Bob Iger. Iger. No, Iger would be great to have on. Iger would be fantastic. If he'd, if he'd come on, I'd have him on. Um, you know, I think he did a great job with Disney while he was uh, CEO. So, you know, we'll see how things go from here. But I think he did a great job and would love to have him on. But, yeah, I, you know, like I said, I don't know. I don't know much about podcasting yet. We're going to learn. One of the things that um, I think um, I've got to figure out is whether you can podcast but not swear uh we <laughs> talked about this like i don't really i don't really it use a sounds lot of, like total baloney to me yeah <laughs> i don't use a lot of colorful language um generally speaking uh i think you know i went on um this week with george stephanopoulos and i said something was total baloney which like all of a sudden i get like you know 20 text messages saying you know that was the best use of total baloney ever <laughs> Um, so whether I can be an effective podcaster and not use any swear words, I don't yet know. Uh, maybe I'll have to bring people on who swear and, uh, maybe you guys are like not exactly the right people, but I, for the record, I think I'm the only one at this point podcast so far who has dropped even the mildest curse word. That might be right. I think, you know, I was going to say crap earlier and I hesitated. Whoa, 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 Justin, come on. Justin. Kid. Kid. <laughs> All so, right. So like that, that's a challenge and, and whether I can overcome that, um, I don't know, no, that I infirmity. Mean, listen, as we have said, infirmity. I think we all agree. If it's not you, it sounds even worse if you try to be a force. Yeah. Swear. Yeah, some people, it's very natural. Swear. No, no. Uh, and some people, it's very natural. Um, you, it is not. So I, you know, stick with baloney, malarkey. I don't know. I don't baloney. Know, I got, other baloney. other nineteen fifties words. Channel that seventy-year-old woman. Yeah, <laughs> I'm definitely not going to the malarkey, but but um, and I and I hope to never use total baloney again, but. <laughs> I can't promise you that it won't come out. <laughs> well, yeah, that, I mean, that's you if you used really, it. I went back I mean, you, and watched it. You have it. to be really ticked off. Yeah, I didn't see how, like, Stephanopoulos reacted to me when I said it. Was it like, did this guy just say total baloney? <laughs> like, I don't know, like, what. Well, I, you I haven't been, I didn't have you been invited replay. back since? I don't know. <laughs> so, it's, right. uh, it's, it's something I, you know. I think of, I have actually like seriously thought about that a lot over the past, you know, few months. Like, can I do a podcast and not swear? Um, but because I find that a lot of times it just adds so much, um, you know, like just character to the whatever's being said. And I don't know. It's colorful. Yeah. Yeah. Just it, bring something. If you get Gary V on, the, the average of the two of you will, will just kind of. Media, you know, you'll just moderate each other out. So, right. yeah. So, so back to the Disney. Yeah. So in high school, your wardrobe was Disney, 
or is your bow, right? <laughs> yeah, you know. And I've been curious bow, this whole time. That thing? shirt you're wearing, I know the call. I know <laughs> listeners can't see it, but the shirt you're wearing right now, what brand is that? Oh, this is. Uh, this I is would Banana bet on Jerbo. No, no, I it's, it's, it's clearly Banana Republic. Which is Jerbo? To... Yeah, well, I had to. That was the substitute for Jerbo. When is Jerbo still around? Is that like a thing? If they are still around. I went online and looked them up. Oh, maybe I, get... I needed. I needed to know how to pronounce the brand name. Yeah, we might have to get back into that. Get some Jerbo back into this. Have you Have you drifted away from the Jerbo? Yeah, I don't like. I don't know where to find it, so it, I just like I stopped wearing it. I don't know, twenty five years ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like, it's, I was just uh, eBay. It's not a it's not eBay. Yeah, it's not a thing. But the styles were so different. Remember when we were in high school, how baggy everything was? But actually, they're that's like coming back. Somewhere. Baggy's coming back. It's ridiculous. Yeah. We've got right, but the rest, but the rest of us were wearing baggy, and you were wearing your bow. Yeah, it was like hammer pants, you know. They were just. No, I, I like, never saw you in a pair of skids. It was just. It was a different time. I've got these pictures of us when we were kids, and I can't even believe the size of the shirts we we're wearing, and and the size of the pants, and everything. It was just over the top. Um, like we looked, we were we were almost like lost in the clothes. So it was um, it was a different time. And that kind of style is that kind of style is coming back to some extent. But I looked at some of my childhood sizes. I've got because I still found some um, I, I found some shirts from the old days and they're like extra, extra large. I'm like, I'm not even close to extra, extra large. So I don't know. <laughs> hey, uh, it was more right. comfortable. I'll tell, it was more comfortable. I'll tell you that. Yeah, it was. All right. So the other thing I wanted to ask about was, and you know, our caller earlier, Tim, he and I talked a month or so ago, just about how formative music was in kind of the high school era and that time when we were all hanging out. And so Justin, when I think about music and you, I think about like, first and foremost, Bone Thugs and Harmony. Mm. Yes, sir. And Les Mis. <laughs> well, you know I love a good show too. I know you do. Yeah, I've got an eclectic musical and so taste. I both want to hear you talk about Bone Thugs and Les Mis. And also, I'm curious, like, what are you listening to today? So, Bone Thugs well, and Les Mis. Yeah. yeah, I still listen to Bone Thugs and Les Mis. Like I really do. Like my playlist is still some of the stuff from from before, but I, you know, like when you were a kid, that the beat in the Bone Thugs and Harmony, you couldn't. I mean, you couldn't top that. The beat they had in there, so it was good stuff. Um, some of the uh, you know language and the rest is not not so good stuff, but. Um, and for when it comes to not so good stuff, yeah, not so good. I mean, like you know, for uh, you know, growing up as Christian high school, not exactly what you necessarily want to be uh, bumping as you enter the parking lot. But the show tunes thing, like lame as a rob, I can I can basically do the whole musical, like all the parts uh, from beginning to end. Oh, I know you, I know you can. 
Yeah, I, I, I performed it for my kids. Like, you know, um, they, you know, they can't believe I'm doing both or, or sometimes three roles within a scene. But, you know, I just... Jean Valjean? Oh, yeah. You can do Jean Valjean and Javert just going back and forth. I'm not going to do it right now, but... Um, not even a little bit? Much. That's No, that's too much. That's That crosses the line. Maybe, like, maybe when we're to episode number, yeah, I don't know, 40 or 50 11. or something. Yeah, when we're, when we're into this a little more, maybe. Um, I, I'll... I'll muster the courage to start singing Les Miserables, but I like show tunes. I know a lot of show tunes. Um, I, I also liked Michael Jackson a lot growing up. I mean, that was obviously uh, a big influence on me, musical influence. Um, And increasingly, um, you know, I I've started to like things more as I've gotten older, like Nirvana, like just stuff like that is starting to. It's almost like it's come back in style for me. It's like I missed it the first time it came around, and you know, it's like it's come back in for me. So, yeah. you know, no, my my well, oldest is super excited about Green Day these days, and like <laughs> that comes on the radio, and like despite not being a huge Green Day fan, like. I know every word to those songs. Yeah. Well, and, and Guns N' Roses is now on the classic rock uh, XM <laughs> station. So I'm just like, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, Justin, you had, I mean, we'd roll in your car. You had, what, the six disc changer with. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. That, those <laughs> oh, yeah. were amazing uh, times. Six disc is. changer was six. A six disc changer was really something in that era. <laughs> It, right? it was incredibly was inconvenient, though. Yeah, but originally, Tim and, I, Tim, and I, Tim and I just talked about this. like Because at that point, you were stuck with those six discs. Yeah, but everyone until else Until you got had the a ambition to change them out. Everyone else had one disc at a time. At least I had six. But one was so easy to change. The six Sorry. was typically in the trunk. No, right. no, mine was... <laughs> I had six discs in Dash. What? <laughs> the weirdest part about it is that it wouldn't work properly. Like, you know, you know, cars from back then, how cars like I can't believe how much better built cars are today than just, you know, 20 years ago or 25 years ago. But to make my um, my disc changer work, I had to accelerate. <laughs> so I'm, <laughs> if I wanted to change discs, I literally had to floor it. I to, right, and I it, a, it I needed more shift. power. Right, it needed some boost of like to to get the disc <laughs> to to shift. So like it was, it was um, it was uh, really a thing. But you don't have that with cars anymore. Everything's digital now. So kids will never so, get the joy of like having a disc in there. Somewhere, an engineer from Mazda is going. No, that's that that is not what happened. <laughs> <laughs> no, it it happened. <laughs> But he's like a seventy-five-year-old engineer at this point. Yeah. So those were those were good times with the six-disc changer. Um. Well, well favorite I, animal. I, favorite animal. I want to. I saw this on your Wikipedia page. You know recently. my favorite animal, don't you? I do know your favorite animal, and I saw you tweet oh. about it like five years ago. All right. Well, so I like the bonobo. Hasn't changed since uh, high school. No. Yeah, which is like a chimpanzee, 
They, um, right. <laughs> a chimpanzee would be and, my second favorite. I mean, the callers can't see it, but what is it? I found it on your Wikipedia sure? page this week. It's, yeah. I mean, what does it say? Um, it says favorite your favorite animal is a bonobo. Oh, the bonobo and the common chimpanzee. Yeah, those are still my two favorites. I don't. I All mean, right. I'm just. I'm my views are consistent. You know, you got the receipts That's, there. Yeah. No, I I saw it tweeted several years ago. I remember you saying it. 20 years ago and well i just want to touch base and make sure it uh like everything well, else has remained consistent i i love the idea of animals that are closely related to humans that have although primitive very primitive by comparison have some of the skills we have i i find that fascinating um some of the ability to use tools and to learn, and bonobos have an um, an incredible, I guess, loving society. If is one uh, euphemistic way to put it, um, you know they're uh, they're very uh, tender with each other. You guys can look it up, but but they they, they yeah, do. I'll, I'll I'll be sure to do that. <laughs> so, yeah, Jordan, Google bonobo tender. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be <laughs> they sure. Do have a, they have a real passion for community. Let's put it that way. Um, so, so I like that about bonobos. I like I like all sorts of animals that are intelligent. Um, dolphins are and whales are very intelligent as well. And um, you know, so so those are those are my favorites. That hasn't changed. Pretty consistent there. Well, I, I don't know how we could. I don't know how we can top episode one, but there's no way to top episode one. I don't know if Chad. I see Chad speaking, but I don't hear Chad's words. Justin, do you wear Crocs? My bad. My my. No, don't wear Crocs. He, he Chad, how not. many? If you've been speaking for like half an hour, but like you just no, no, I just at, at like after two hours, I don't know what's going on. Um. <laughs> No, I was going to say, as we, I think, are close to wrapping, like, do you have a a rhythm for this? Like, what you are hoping to, in terms of how many you want to put out, the consistency of it? Is it dependent on when you can book guests? Or what is kind of in closing? It's be, as it's all downhill from here, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But, I, uh, you're going to keep going until Neil Young is unwilling to share a platform with you right <laughs> right that's basically that's basically how it goes he's gonna say he refuses to be on Colin. um the so, beauty would be if you could get joe rogan and neil young together as guests yes to unite them yeah i mean i think joe rogan likes neil young so he does it wouldn't surprise me if they could get together <clears throat> um i i plan to do about one a week and uh, it'll roughly follow a similar schedule. I'm, I'm trying to put them on a similar schedule. This is this one in particular is maybe a little bit different because I've got my friends here. And in other words, the rhythm of it is like a little bit different than than maybe we'd normally have. But it's going to be casual conversations, long form like this. Um, we'll discuss lots of things, lots of ideas. This one, of course, tended to, to be a little more about like you know our relationship and and me growing up and all that. And that's obviously not going to be as much the case in the other episodes. But 
Um, you know, just bringing people on who are interesting week after week, having a good time, having conversations, learning a little, trying to bring people together. Um, I want to show people that regardless of our political views, um, we can all come together and, and have a good time and, and talk about different things. So I'm really looking forward to it. This has been fun. And, yeah. So I just want to say um, um, thank you to you guys. I mean, you've been there with me all these years as friends. Uh, you know, I've, I've always appreciated, of course, you know, Jordan and Chad have worked with me at different times, too, in the past many years, which which has meant a lot um, and been an important part of, of what I've done um, in my adult life. But, you know, Bo has always been there, too. Like, for someone who's, again, lives far away from me, uh, he's always reached out on a pretty regular basis, um, made me feel like he cared, and that meant a lot. It's meant a lot over the years. Um, and I, I can still remember when you got into your pickup truck and drove off to Alaska and we, <laughs> we weren't sure what was going to happen. You were like, Hey, I just, I'm driving to Alaska. We we're like, what? I think we took bets that that 19... wouldn't make it past Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we... Uh, it was, it was a 1987 Ford Ranger. And <laughs> we, drove almost, we weren't sure it would be I wasn't you, sure it was going to make it all the way there. <laughs> you had to change the oil before you actually got to your location. <laughs> well, and I made it all the way to Alaska. And then I tried to leave Anchorage and it died like 10 <laughs> miles outside of Anchorage. <laughs> so we, we didn't know if we were going to see you again when that happened. But, um, but, you know, you made it. You sent all these beautiful pictures back of Alaska. Um, I always admired that about you, that you just went off and, and did your dream. And, um, you know, it just means a lot that you stayed in touch and, and seeing, of course, Jordan and Chad, um, do their thing too in life, you know, the business ventures you're involved in and the work you're involved in is just, you know, it's great to see. It's great to see people who I hung out with in high school, um, grow up and do different things and, and be successful and, you know, live good lives and, and be kind to others. And that's um, that's really why I wanted you guys on here. So I'm glad you did it, and I'm glad we could put this together, and you guys were great about it. So just want well, to say, was, yeah, go ahead. Guys. It was fun. What, whatever and whenever the – if it's political or not, you, you know, you know, we all have your back, and – and are going to support you and, and the, the positive impact that you have on people. Yep. I appreciate it. No, seeing yeah. you six weeks ago or whatever, like it was part of a visit back to Michigan where I was reminded of just how blessed I've been with the relationships throughout my life. And you're a big part of that. And all, all three of you, you know, like that's a big deal. And it's been, it's been really cool. Thanks. And I remembered when when we got together, I was like, I walked away thinking, oh, I forgot to get a picture with Bo. <laughs> you, so, you know what? I, I said the exact same thing. Yeah, I, yep. like, we I, I took action, Chad. Okay. I took action. So the next day, the next day, I saw Bo post something. I think on Facebook or somewhere. Is it on Facebook? Yeah, though? it was Facebook. He said he was like, "I'm going to be at this." Um, yeah, at this I saw that. <laughs> yep. 
No, and Justin, you showed up at Vivant. At Vivant. Yeah. So he's like, I'm going to be at this brewery if anyone wants to join me. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get that picture with Bo. We we got so the photo. We got the photo. And had a good well, time talking good time talking about Alaska. In in the most 2022 thing ever. We'll take a we'll take a virtual selfie. Oh, that's um, great. <laughs> ready? Three, two, one. <laughs> there. Now, now right. we got the photo of episode. Yeah, we've got a selfie. So all right. Awesome. Well, thanks for everyone um who called in. Thanks thanks to everyone listening on online and uh, everyone is going to listen to this, and thanks especially to you guys for being a part of this. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. All right, take See care. Yep. Bye. See ya.